What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 252 of No One's Ready for Wrestling as we talk professional wrestling and give my thoughts on the news that I read and the shows that I watch. It is AEW Revolution up in this bitch week. And it is the last time we will see Sting in a wrestling ring, so we might as well enjoy it while we have the chance. And... I will do my predictions for AEW Revolution. There's honestly there's really not much news coming out of uh coming out of AEW. And news has been pretty uh, slow recently, but have no fear because we got a lot to talk about. Um I will talk about the Elimination Chamber. What did I think of the show? Um some of the matches that we saw that could be leading up to WrestleMania. And I will also talk about my experience again for TNA wrestling. They came down here and I will talk no surrender and some of the key things that I caught at the tapings, which is setting up for their next event, Sacrifice. And we, we will talk about that. And I will also talk about the meet and greet experience I had for TNA, which I'll give y'all the rundown for anybody who goes to a TNA wrestling show. Like, it is a it is a fun atmosphere. I will talk about that as well. Um, but like I said, we will be doing uh, predictions for, <clears throat> for AEW Revolution. Not much news coming out of AEW, but on the New Japan side, Tama Tonga is heading to WWE. What do I do with him? And... If you know the Good Brothers on NXT and where this is going to lead up, which honestly I think this is the right direction if you ask me. But I think Tama Tonga and WWE would be perfect. Um, On the WWE side, we got more Vince McMahon stuff. And we got WWE stars talking about Vince, the allegations, and an ex-WWE writer saying that Vince McMahon fired him for changing racially incentive segments that aired on MLK Day. And in Vince's mind, controversy would create cash, but more than likely, controversy will make you lose sponsorships. Now, we don't know what said line was, but I will give my thoughts on, on what this ex-writer says. WWE possibly changed plans for WrestleMania for Gunther. We got... Season Pass DLC revealed for WWE 2K24, which is coming out next week. I am going to get a three-day er early access, so go me. Thank you, Deluxe Edition. We got a rumor killer about Drew McIntyre re-signing with WWE, but I still believe he's going to re-sign. Uh, when are we going to get NXT Europe? And Andrade, we got news on Andrade turning down a good offer from AEW to stay. And he and I will talk about why he chose to go to WWE over AEW. But we got a lot to go over. I really appreciate all of you who are stopping by for the weekends to listen to this to this episode before Revolution. And and just know I am recording this on Thursday. Uh right now I do not have anything for SmackDown right now, but we know The Rock is going to be on SmackDown, and it is going to be a sellout show. And I cannot, 
and we are officially on the build towards WrestleMania. And you know I get excited for WrestleMania week because big stuff is going to happen for WrestleMania. But I thank you guys for tuning in. It really means a lot to me, and your support is all that matters the most. Um, make sure you guys, make sure you guys hit that, um, not hit that follow. Um, if you want to follow me, follow me on Twitter or X. I mean, I still call it Twitter anyway, because it's fucking Twitter. Uh, Shino D Phoenix. I do on occasions live tweet for Raw, NXT, Dynamite, SmackDown, but I usually post some motivation stuff on Twitter if you want to be motivated, because I like to inspire people. Um... And if you want to follow me on Twitch, which we are doing some really good stuff on Twitch, and I got big stuff plans for WWE 2K24 that Tuesday. So this is a stream you don't is a stream you do not want to miss. And I'm telling you, when I say this is a can't miss stream, big stuff's happening on March, and I manifest that things are gonna be really, really good. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Um, but if you want to follow me, we are close to 800 followers on Twitch. Uh, it's Shino Phoenix. And you guys know I do my TWA streams, which we will be doing Twitch Mania too. And I'm telling you, th that is a stream you do not want to miss. It is going to be something that's, that everybody is going to talk about. Just mark my words. But, um... You can follow me on Instagram, Shino Phoenix. I do post on Instagram stories, and I will post uh, when I'm gonna do the uh, stream for uh, the for the 2K24 stuff and the big announcement that I will be making. So it's a game changer. You don't want to miss that. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Cool Man Sip. Follow me on TikTok for your lovely memes, gaming memes. I'm gonna do wrestling memes uh, when the time comes. But I just need some good ideas for some wrestling themed memes. But you can follow me, Shino D Phoenix. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Shino D Phoenix. And like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. That way you guys can stay up to date on the podcast. And without further ado, without further ado, let's get right into the show. Let's talk Elimination Chamber. Now, we managed to watch Elimination Chamber Saturday morning. Because we weren't going to watch it at 3 or 4 in the morning. I, I'm going to be knocked out at that time. And this was before we had to go to the TNA tapings. Which, honestly, I love. It was a smart decision in my book. Um, So we watched the show. Overall, I thought Elimination Chamber was a really good show. Predictable, yes. But, that, but predictability does not mean that it's a bad show. And... I, I enjoyed every second of it. That, I'm just going to be real when I say it. I enjoyed every second of Elimination Chamber. And I thought the crowd in Australia did an amazing job. And I, I just like the venue, though. I like the venue. I love the energy. It, it, it's so good, you know. It was really, really good. And, and we start things off with the kickoff match. We had Indy Hartwell, Australia's own Indy Hartwell... And Candice LeRae taking on the Kabuki Warriors 
for the women's tag team titles. It was their basic uh, match, but the crowd really wanted Indy. Indy was really the star of that of that match, and I, I was happy for her. But it wasn't enough. Candice took the pin. And the Kabuki Warriors, they retained their titles with the assisted insane elbow drop. Like an inverted DDT insane elbow combo. So, I, I thought this was a decent average match. But we kicked the main card off with the women's elimination chamber match. You had Becky Lynch, Naomi, Tiffany Stratton, Liv Morgan, uh, Raquel Rodriguez, Bianca Belair... I think I, I said all of them. And Becky Lynch, I think. Yeah, I said Becky Lynch. And I thought this was a great opener. I thought this was a great opener. And in my honest opinion, Tiffany Stratton was the breakout performer. She broke out in that, uh, in that Elimination Chamber. She was the highlight for the Women's Elimination Chamber match. And like I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this. Like I could go for spot for spot. But I don't want to go into in, like full into details about said match. But it was good. It was good. But in or, the order of elimination went as followed. You had Tiffany Stratton rolling up Naomi to eliminate her. Liv Morgan eliminated Tiffany Stratton with the Oblivion. Bianca Belair eliminated Raquel Rodriguez with the KOD. And what I loved about this is... They gave you three believable options. They gave you three believable options in Liv, Bianca, and Becky. Bianca is simple. You can't spell WrestleMania without EST. And she needs she needs to make it to WrestleMania. You got Liv, who is on her revenge tour, and she wants uh, Rhea Ripley for taking her out, like taking six months out of... Out of her uh, career. And of course you got Becky Lynch. Which they have teased the hell out of... uh, Like they have teased the hell out of Becky and Rhea. And I I thought um, it was good that they did that. Um, You had Liv with the shock elimination of Bianca Belair. I thought it was going to be Bianca... Like, I honestly thought it was going to be Bianca and, uh, and, um, and, and Becky. I thought it was going to be those two. But they chose not to do, uh, Bianca and, and Becky. And, and you know what? That's okay. That is okay. I, I have no issue with that. But having Liv eliminating Bianca, Bianca was a shocker. And Becky took advantage with the manhandle slam. And she eliminates Liv Morgan. She wins the Elimination Chamber match. Punches her ticket to WrestleMania. And uh, like I said, I thought this was great. I enjoyed every second of it. And Becky went and made the most sense. And I think that's going to be a really good match for Rhea at WrestleMania. I'm looking forward to it. We had the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles on the line. We had the Judgment Day taking on taking on New Catch Republic, and I thought they had an excellent match. I thought this was this was one of my favorite matches on the uh, on the entire show, and everybody looked good. Um, 
There was a lot of near falls, but it wasn't enough for New Catch Republic. And the Judgment Day, they retained their um, undisputed tag team titles. But that's a match I would recommend if you guys wanted to go back and watch it. It's that match. This was a really, really great match. I was on the edge of my seat watching it. I loved every second of it. Like, And this is tag team wrestling done right if WWE does tag team wrestling right. This is the case right there. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Now, of course, we had the Grayson Waller effect because Grayson Waller is from Australia. Now, the segment starts with Austin Theory, who is welcoming us to Austin Theory Live. And, of course, typical Austin Theory, he trash talks Australia in typical heel fashion. And he welcomes Grayson Waller to the show, and Grayson Waller gets a nice reaction, and he does a shooey. Now, for those of you who do not know what a shooey is, it's literally they ha- there's a drink, like there's a, a liquid drink inside the shoe, and you just drink out of the shoe, which, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I want to do something like that. I'm, I'm just saying, I would much rather just have a cup with me, that's all. <laughs> So he leads off the crowd with the Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. Aussie, oi, Aussie, oi. Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. So he leads them with the chant. 50,000 plus people were chanting that. And he welcomes Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes uh, out to the ring. Which, uh, by the way, Cody Rhodes is breaking the pyro budget again. So Cody is sitting and he's asking, so uh, Perth, Australia, which by the way, the show took place at the uh, Optus Stadium in Perth, Australia. So Perth, Australia, what do you want to talk about? But Waller points out, look, it's my show and they should acknowledge Roman Reigns and get, get their ones up. So Walla asks Rollins, who do you want to fight at WrestleMania? And Rollins said, as the match is stacked, and he reveals that I'm just days away from being medically clear to compete. So whoever wins doesn't stand a chance at Mania. And Walla then points out that Rhodes took away the biggest Mania match of all time. And Rhodes says, look, I'm a fan of The Rock. And if he was here, he's sure, he's sure The Rock We'll call him a candy something. Now, Rhodes asks if there are any Cody crybabies in the building. In the WWE Universe, they erupt. And Rhodes says, to be the people's champ, you have to actually be around the people. Which I thought was a good line. That was a really, really good line. (coughs) Now, Rhodes then says, he has an announcement himself. Until WrestleMania 40, he is wide open. So he says he wants to wrestle The Rock one-on-one, anytime, anyplace. Now, Rollins then says he won't be fighting that battle alone. Theory then starts doing The Rock's catchphrase, which led to Rollins attacking him. Cody hits hits the Cody cutter, which follows up with Rollins hitting a curb stomp. On Austin Theory. Like, I mean, they 
Like, they weren't going to beat up Grayson Waller in his hometown, so Austin Theory was there to be the proverbial punching bag. But, um, that's all. I mean, real, a really nothing segment, to be quite honest. That's the best way I could describe it. It was just a way to get Grayson Waller on the show, and it was his hometown. But, um, all I could say is, it's just meh. That's the best way I could say it. It was meh. Now, we had the men's elimination chamber match. You had Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, L.A. Knight, Randy Orton, Kevin Owens, and Logan Paul. And I thought this was good. I thought this was good, but not as great as the women's were because I thought the women's elimination chamber match, honestly, out of all the women's elimination chamber match, I thought this was the absolute best one. Now, for the men, there was really nothing that stood out to me on the men's side. And I mean this in all the respect. There was really nothing that stood out to me. But um, the only thing I will say, and, and this is just me being real. This is just me being real. And uh, I, it, this sets up two things that is going to happen at WrestleMania. But the order of elimination goes as follows. Drew McIntyre, he eliminated Bobby Lashley. And... Bobby was selling a shoulder injury on SmackDown because of Karrion Cross in the Final Testament. Um, Drew McIntyre eliminated LA Knight, and that was because of AJ Styles. And I find this interesting. LA Knight. No, AJ Styles flew all the way to Perth, Australia, just to get back at LA Knight for costing him his qualification match when he could have done the same thing on Monday Night Raw. And he should have done that, but it, it's, I just find that comical, but this sets up LA Knight versus AJ Styles at WrestleMania, which I don't mind. We have Randy Orton eliminating Kevin Owens with an RKO, and Logan Paul, he had the, the brass knucks on. He was posing with the brass knuckles only to get eaten with an RKO by Randy Orton to get eliminated. And what I loved about this match was the way Randy sold his back. Randy Orton did an outstanding, outstanding job selling the damage to his back. And we I thought that he was fucking hurt, but he convinced me when, with his selling. I thought this is the best he ever looked when he when it comes to selling. Now we had Drew McIntyre eliminating Randy Orton because Logan Paul knocked out Randy Orton with the brass knuckles. And I did not mind this at all. I didn't mind this at all. Drew McIntyre went and made the most sense. And you had Logan Paul hitting Randy Orton with the brass knucks, which tells me that we're going to have a match between Randy Orton and Logan Paul for the United States Championship at WrestleMania. Like, I wish it could have been LA Knight eliminating Logan Paul because that would have convinced a lot of people that LA Knight is winning. But look, I don't mind Randy Orton holding the title, but I could see them adding AJ and LA Knight into the mix. So I don't know. But this just sets up two matches that pretty much are confirmed for WrestleMania. Now, before we get to the main event, we had Triple H. He's um, 
out to reveal the official attendance record, which is 52,590. So that's how many people they have, but that's a big number. And you know there's going to be other sites that's going to tell you the actual attendance record. So, But that's a big number, though. Big number, though. Now, before we get to the main event, I forgot to mention Seth Rollins. Now, Seth Rollins, and this is just me, Seth, originally, had he not got hurt, he would have defended his World Heavyweight Championship against Bronson Reed. Now, that was the plan that we were supposed to get for, we were supposed to get for, um, for Elimination Chamber, which, Honestly, Bronson would have got a hero's reaction. And not only that, Bronson and his wife just got, um, they've welcomed a new baby into the world. So that's really important. I'm happy for Bronson Reed. Congrats to him. Um, But all I can say on that, I I just wish we could have had Bronson on the show. That would have been really cool. But the main event was the Women's World Championship. We had Rhea Ripley, hometown girl, defending her title against Nia Jax. And I'm going to say it. This was the best match in Nia Jax's career. And all I'm going to tell you, this is what, um, like, this is the best that she has ever, ever looked. And I give her credit where credit is due. She made Rhea look like a million bucks. And all I can say on that is it's just, it's good, man. It's, it's really, really good to see where she's at right now. And just how she transformed and just how she transformed, uh, herself, you know, but this was really good, I thought the main event was really good, and there was no way Nia was going to beat Rhea in her hometown, <coughs> and if, if you wanted to put heel heat, if it, if you know who was running the show, he would have given the title to Nia Jax, just because, but I thought Rhea looked great, Nia looked great, like, and I got to give Nia really some big praise here because Nia looked fantastic. She looked absolutely fantastic in this match. And honestly, ever since she came back, I think this is the best that she has ever looked in uh, in WWE. I, I, I got to give her credit right there. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, just, she looked great. And Knights, like, Naya was really, really good. So, that's the best thing I could say it. Um, And all I'm asking is, and what, re- all I'm asking for Nia, I don't know what they're going to do with her next, but what they might do, and I hope this is the case, they could have Nia face Jay Cargill at WrestleMania. 
I think that is the that's the destination that we should be heading. And that's just uh that's just how I see it, you know. That's how I feel about it. Um but Rhea winning made the most sense. She was not dropping that title, and especially right in front of her family. Now you got Rhea versus Becky Lynch. You're heading into WrestleMania with Rhea versus Becky. I don't know what the hell, and I'm and I'm being real when I say this. I do not know what the hell they're gonna do with um what they're gonna do with um. Uh, how would I put this? For this match. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, they could give the belt to Becky, but Rhea is so fucking over right now. She is legitimately over. Like, no matter where she goes, the, the woman is white hot. Like, you cannot convince me otherwise. She is white hot. Do you risk putting the title on Becky Lynch? Because look, Becky could do the honors. Becky could lose to, uh, like, Becky could lose to, uh, to Rhea Ripley. I would not mind that at all. And I'm being real when I say that. I would not mind that at all. But overall, like I said, I thought this was really good, really good show. And, um, all I can say is it was fun. It was a fun show. Predictable, yes. Doesn't mean it's bad. Predictability does not mean that it's a bad show. And I want people to understand that. It is not bad when things are predictable, okay? It's not bad, all right? It's not a bad thing. Switching gears. Let's talk AEW. Now, I don't have much news, but uh, there's only two things since it is Revolution Week. Um, we do know that Jack Perry is going to be competing in the New Japan Cup tournament. So, it is. it all starts on March 6th with 28 wrestlers. For those of you who don't know the New Japan stuff, let me tell you how it works. Um, so, every March, they do a New Japan Cup, which is the second to the G1 that I like to watch. So, you're definitely going to hear me cover... Uh, you're definitely going to hear me cover that. So, because the G1 is one of my favorite things on New Japan's show. And, um, <clears throat> all I can say about this is it is going to be interesting. Now, Shota Umino, Kenta, and Taichi are among the names in the tournament, which wraps up on the 20th of March. Jack Perry will be a part of it as he makes his promotional in ring debut. On the opening night when he wrestled Shota Umino in his first match since All In. Perry hasn't been seen or heard from since the incident with CM Punk at AEW All In last August. The incident resulted in Perry being suspended and CM Punk being released, which CM Punk is now in WWE. Now Perry made his return to wrestling at the New Japan Battle of the Valley event. At the event, he attacked Shota Umino, then ripped an AEW contract and put on armband with Scapegoat on it. Now, there's no word yet on when Perry will be back in AEW. So, 
if you look at this, he, and I think this is on, uh, let me just go to Twitter for a second because that is on, it starts March 6th, so he will wrestle Shoulder Umino on the 6th of March. That's going to be fucking cool. And look, I'm, I'm happy for uh, Jack Perry. I think he's going to find a lot of footing if he takes on New Japan's style of wrestling. And I think he's going to do good. I think he's going to do good. But the question is, when are we going to see him back in an AEW ring? We don't know. We really, really don't know. But we'll see. Now, speaking of AEW, a lot of change is coming to AEW television. Now, I did see the Dynamite logo that's going to be debuting soon. And... The logo is the biggest change coming to their weekly TV shows. Tony Khan recently stated that there was a, there will be a new set coming after Revolution. And we'll also see changes from Collision. Now, the post-Revolution to Dynamite is also the company's return to Boston. And it's widely believed that this will be the show where Mercedes Monet makes her debut. Now, per Andrew Zarian, this is an update. The logo shown uh, below is just a va variant being used for the shows in Canada. And look, I, I'm looking at the logo, the Dynamite logo. It looks really good. I'm not going to lie. I think it looks so much better. In my honest opinion, just it looks so good than the original logo, which honestly, I, I would use it. I would use this new logo. Um. Because it looks slick. That's the best way I can say it. It looks slick. <clears throat> but really not... Like I said, I don't have much news coming out of Dynamite. But I did get a breaking story per... um Per... Let's see. I keep... I cannot even pronounce my stuff right. Per Fightful Select. Because they have an update on Okada. And it looks like... Okada, it, like we all know Okada is going to be la landing in AEW. And and he, this is what uh, the, the article says. Forgive me. I'm just all over the place. AEW is landing a huge free agent in Kazuchika Okada. Okada's New Japan deal expired at the end of January, making him a free agent. AEW had long maintained interest in him since in joining the company. By early February, Fightful Select reported that Okada was expected to go to All Elite Wrestling and would be debuting once he finished up his freelance obligations with New Japan Pro Wrestling. We've also noted that the first half of March was expected to be a huge one for AEW. Mercedes Monet is planned for a debut on March 13th. Will Ospreay, he debuted on Dynamite full-time. And he will be making... He will be wrestling as a full-time wrestler in AEW. At Revolution. Which I will talk about the match. I will talk about who I think is winning. I mean, you guys should know who's going to win that match. Between him and Takeshita. Which I know I already know is going to be great. And Sting's retirement is going down. In addition to that... We're told that the company has been hoping and at least tentatively planning for Kazuchika Okada to be in the fold 
by the March 6th episode of Dynamite. Tony Khan noted on today's media call that there's something he's very excited about coming in Atlanta for next week's Dynamite. We've heard plenty of discussions that Okada's debut will be there, but have heard from numerous sources that the hope as of mid-February was for Okada to appear in the company by then. So possibly, possibly after Revolution, the fallout of Revolution, we get the debut of Okada. And then March 13th, you get Mercedes Monet, which is fairly obvious. So, and that's a good feather cap for Tony Khan because look, Adam Cole is hurt. MJF is hurt. We don't know when they're going to be coming back. I mean, they lost two of their biggest stars. You got Swerve now, who is a star in his own right, but you don't have MJF. You don't have Adam Cole. And we'll see where that goes from here, but. This is a big get. This is a big get. And Tony Khan is probably is just happy as hell that he got three of the biggest stars from Japan. Now, AEW Dynamite took place at the Von the Von Braun Center in Huntsville, Alabama. This was the go-home show. This was Sting's last Dynamite on uh for this show. Now, we kick things off, which, like I said, I thought it was good. It was a good home go-home show. Not without some issues, but we'll talk about this. Um, We kicked off the show with Hangman Page. He's on a crutch. He gets on a mic, and he begins admitting that this doesn't look like a promising start to the speech. And he talks about how AEW was a goal and an opportunity to rise to people's expectations and make the most of things placed in front of him. He likes to think winning the world title as a great accomplishment of his career, and that's why it hurts so much to have that opportunity in front of him again. And well, he talks about how he thought the world title should be defended in a singles, but it turns out he had the wrong two guys. He won't apologize to Shane Strickland or Samoa Joe, but He'll tell us the truth because he always does. And he won't be able to compete at Revolution on Sunday. This brings out Swerve Strickland. Prince Nana is doing his dance. And uh, Swerve gets on the mic and he says, These last six months, they've been to war. They try to kill each other. And he might have crossed the line a couple of times, but he didn't really expect this to happen. He targeted Hangman because of everything he's accomplished. And to say he doesn't respect him would be a flat-out lie. But he suffered this unfortunate fate, and you can't stop fate or destiny. And it's his destiny to win the AEW World Championship at Revolution. Now this brings out Samoa Joe. He comes out, scoffs at the two of them, trying to hug it out. And he has... To tell a few truths to counteract the lies here. He watched them stare daggers at each other. But really, they were trying to avoid making eye contact with him. And learning he's the only man here. He doesn't know if Hopalong is in or out. And he keeps hearing about how they're young, hungry contenders. 
but they're battle-tested and hardened warriors, and there's nothing new about them. But the only reason they're hungry is because Joe is starving them, and there won't be any more meals come dinner time. And whether it's one or both of them come revolution, he'll whip both their asses. Now, Joe is about to leave. Now, I thought the promo for Joe was great. And Swerve comes in. He tells him that he w- he went from unemployment to headlining pay-per-views, went for being from being a cruiserweight to fighting for a world title. The man who bloodied a teenager and invaded a man's home and he'll do whatever it takes. He'll and he's a career maker and a career changer. After he's done, and this was like a WWE reference, Joe might want to go back to commentary wearing a poncho. Who knows? He's on the verge of making history, and he will be AEW World Champion when all of a sudden, Hangman Page attacks him with the crutch, knocking him out. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. This was all an angle to get people thinking that to get people thinking that, oh, um, he's going to fail. He's going to lose. But, um, like, he's not going to make it. But we, we, I knew it was coming. I'm like, like, they did say he had personal, it was a personal issue. I don't know what said personal issue was. But um, all I could say about that is he's still going to be on the show. He's moving fine. This was all just an angle. It was nothing serious. It was just a minor freak accident. I don't know if he was selling well and he just took to what everybody was saying. But, um, like, and you look at this segment. Swerve is slowly becoming the babyface. He's literally the de facto babyface. Hangman Page is literally the heel. And that's something I don't say very often, but he came off heelish. And... And I, I thought that was smart. That was really smart on uh, on their part. I, I, I got to give them credit. That was really good. Really good stuff between uh, these two. Well, between these three. And I'm looking forward to the match. I think it's going to be really good. <clears throat> we go backstage with Renee Paquette interviewing the Young Bucks. And they ask her... If she's seen Sting today because they're just dying to see him. And they thank him and conduct his, oh, an exit interview. They brandish these baseball bats and they wish Renee a killer show. And they tell the camera operator, follow them to, and see what happens when, and to see what happens as they go to break because they're looking for Sting. Now we had the BCC. Taking on Eddie Kingston and FTR. It was a fun match. That's the best way I could say it. It was a fun match. With um, Brian Danielson getting the win over Eddie Kingston and FTR. But um, really not much I could say about it. They showed uh, footage of Chris Jericho's teaming with Atlantis in CMLL in the 90s. And it set up the match against uh, Atlantis Jr., now, Renee was backstage with Chris, and he says he was thrown into the deep end in Mexico very quickly because 
Paco Alonso wanted him working at a very high level. Threw him with guys like Negro Kansas, Bestia Salvage, Silver King, El Dandy, and Atlantis. So when AEW started working with CMLL, he wanted to return the favor to Atlantis and teach Atlantis Jr. about wrestling from the American Inn. And he'll give him a lesson in violence. So this was just an, a promo to get him pumped for this match. Um, We had Tony Schiavone, who's in the ring. And he says, tonight, they're making something official. And lots of big stars have been coming to, di- to Dynamite. But tonight, they make one of the biggest official. And he introduces Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay comes out. And you can tell by Will Ospreay's expression, his facial expression, he looks genuinely happy. He looks genuinely happy. He got a nice ovation, which, I mean, he should. If he didn't get a nice ovation, we would have had a problem. And I would say, why aren't you um, giving this guy his flowers? Because the guy is so good, man. He is so freaking good. Now, now I will also say this. like, This is a big get. And I think Will Ospreay is going to be the biggest baby face in AEW. No doubt. So, he calls Huntville cheeky shags before saying um, he doesn't want to waste a lot of time and he's glad to be here. To take part in Will... No, no, no. I'm skipping a lot. Um, He doesn't want to waste time and he's glad to be here and his obligations with New Japan are done. He's here for full-time work and he's all in, bruv. Now, this brings in Don Callis and the family and Don says there's nothing like he likes more than a Don Callis family reunion. And he takes up his part and Will's accomplishments here and says they'll they'll top him by having a match of the year, match of the decade. And in order to do that, they're bringing Kanosuke Takeshita and Will Ospreay together. He says it's like basketball players practicing before a championship game. And it doesn't matter who wins between them. The family is the real winner and... He insists they shake hands. So Osprey extends his hands. Kanosuke screws his face up and looks at it real close, but shakes it in the end. And he refused to break the grip, and he pulls Will in. And Osprey returns the favor, and they have a little moment. So this was just a small way to build towards their match. Like, I'm happy for Will Osprey, bruv. I think him and Kanosuke are going to tear the fucking house down. I think this is, that's one of the matches I am looking forward to. In my honest opinion. And the segment itself, like, I'm happy for Will. I'm happy that Will is here. And I think he's, in a, and it's up to Tony Khan to book him like a big star. And there's that. There, There's literally that. Now, Renee Paquette was backstage with Eddie Kingston. And before he could say anything, the Young Bucks roll up with their bats asking Eddie if he's seen Sting. Now, Nicholas says, look, I have a bone to pick with you. And 
he um he's saying stuff that he didn't like like I heard you say some stuff that you that I didn't like and Matthew takes issue with Eddie rolling up in boots and sweats every week and where even is his sports coat so they're thinking about doing they're thinking about doing a dress code and Taz's reaction was hilarious. And so like, I, it was okay. It was okay. We had the AEW international championship open challenge. Keep that in mind. Orange Cassidy defending his title against Nick Wayne. Now this did not feel like an open challenge because they already announced a match to begin with, so you shouldn't have said an open challenge. And the match itself, it, it really was not needed. And I'm, I'm going to be real when I say it. The match was not needed. And I mean this in all the respect. Like, I mean this in all the respect in the world. Just, all, all I'm saying is, and, and this is just me, this is just me, the match was... The match was, um, meh. Like, it was good, but it was just, it was not needed. And to have Undisputed Kingdom come out to try to cost Orange Cassidy the match, that was stupid. All this did was set up Roddy trying to jump Orange. They beat him down until Best Friend made the save, and that was that. That was that. I just thought it was kind of stupid. Now... We had Sky Blue taking on Chris Statlander. I thought this was a decent match. And Sky Blue, she got the win over Chris Statlander with the code blue. And Stokely Hathaway was trying to use the chain, but the ref saw it. And Stokely looked like a blithering idiot doing that. And that cost Chris Statlander the match. But, um... I don't know where this might lead. I don't know if they're going to have a kickoff match, possibly for the TBS championship. Maybe they're going to do Chris against Julia Hart. I don't know, but we'll see. Now backstage, the Young Bucks are... Now the Young Bucks are backstage. Matthew says, if there's one thing for sure about Sting, is that's nothing's for sure. And he asks Nicholas to be mindful. They threw, they throw the door open and Sting isn't in his dressing room, but he hung a bunch of baseball bats from the ceiling to frustrate and confuse the Young Bucks. And we go to commercial break. That leads to our next match. Chris Jericho against Atlantis Jr. I thought it was good. Not just good. I thought it was okay. Like Atlantis Jr. was good in the ring. It's just that, I don't know. I honestly don't know what I could do about uh, this match. It's just, eh, wasn't real, really much I could sink my teeth in. But Jericho got the win when Atlantis threw in the towel after being trapped in the walls of Jericho. But um, there, there's that. Really not much I could add to it. Now, the main event saw the Young Bucks. They coming out. They come out and Nicholas picks a fight with a fan in a Sting's mask. And it turns out that fan in the Sting mask was Darby Allen. So they're brawling. They're choking Darby with the bat. And I'm thinking to myself, where the hell is Sting? Where the hell is Sting? Why isn't he coming out? 
And they choked Darby Allen with the bat. They hit the EVP trigger on a... Like, they hit the EVP trigger on uh, Darby Allen. More bat shots. Ric Flair comes in. And he makes his way to the ring. Takes the bat from Matthew. And he's teeing up on Allen. But he pokes Nicholas in the eyes. And his punches. Oh, my God. Ric Flair's punches are not good. Not good. Now... Matt low blows him. Ric Flair's clipped tonight. And they're going to try to beat up on Ric Flair until Sting's music hits. So they leave the ring. They're going to the entrance ramp. And for the last time, we see Sting coming down from the rafters. And the inner child in me screamed. Because that was fucking cool. So... Sting takes it to the Bucks and he lays out, I believe it was Nicholas with a scorpion death drop and Darby Allen lays out Matt with the, uh, with a coffin drop. But, um, I I thought, like I said, it, it was good. I loved that segment and overall it was a good, good episode of, uh, of Dynamite. And it was the fi- final build for Revolution. Now speaking of Revolution. We do have predictions. We have nine matches. There's no like zero hour match. For AEW Revolution. This is going to take place at the Greensboro Coliseum. In Greensboro, North Carolina. And... The tagline is Sting's last match. This will be his official last match <clears throat> in AEW and possibly in wrestling period. So let's work our way from the bottom into the top. We have the All-Star Scramble where the winner will receive a future shot for the AEW World Championship. We have Chris Jericho, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Lance Archer, Hook, Brian Cage, and they say Magnus. I think he beat Matt Seidel, I guess. Magnus versus Dante Martin. I'm going with Wardlow. I think Wardlow's winning this. Only for him to lose to... Only for him to lose to Samoa Joe, but... I see Wardlow winning. I could see Chris Jericho winning. I don't know. But I I got Wardlow. I think Wardlow is going to be the guy to win this match. Um, We have FTR taking on Jon Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli. And I already know this is going to be a great match. I know this. Y'all know this. They had a time. I think they had a time limit draw, which was so good. But um, at the end of the day, I think Blackpool Combat Club, they're going to win this match. And I think they're going to keep this momentum going. We have the TNT title on the line as Christian Cage defends his championship against Daniel Garcia. Uh, This should be really good. 
I'm looking forward to this match. Well, well, actually, let me rephrase that. I am looking for a new title change. I honestly think that Daniel Garcia should win the title. And I'm sticking with that. I got Daniel Garcia. I think we're going to have a new champion. Christian Cage really doesn't need the title. He could still feud with Adam Copeland. And I feel like he's going to play a part. But I, I, I think it's time. I would give it to Daniel Garcia. I think Daniel wins the title. We have Will Ospreay versus Kanosuke Takeshita. That's one of the matches I'm looking forward to. And I think this is going to be an excellent match. And to the surprise of no one, I'm going with Will Ospreay. Because Will Ospreay is not losing in his first official match as an AEW member. So, Will Ospreay's winning. We have Eddie Kingston defending the Continental Championship, the Continental Crown Championship against Brian Danielson. And if Danielson loses, he has to shake Kingston's hand. And I don't I I, I know for a fact we've seen this match so many times, but look, Brian Danielson is gonna have a great match with Eddie Kingston. He's not beating Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston is gonna retain and Brian will shake his hand. I don't know. We have <clears throat> Timeless Tony Storm defending her AEW women's championship against Deanna Perrazzo. It is not Deanna's time. Deanna is not going to uh, win the title, whether you guys want to admit it or not. She's not winning the title. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is because it's just too early for her. And not only that, I think the feud has been pretty cold, to say the least. If there are three names you have to ask me, who would be the one to take the title off of Tony Storm? There's three names. There's Mariah May. There's a returning Jamie Hayter. And then you're going to have the debut of Mercedes Monet. My fear after this match, because Deanna is talented. Deanna Perrazzo is so damn talented. I just don't want her to fall in the wayside where she's just pushed, where she's just put aside for the new shiny toy. I don't want that for, uh, I don't want that for Deanna Perrazzo. She's better than this. And I hope Tony Khan is aware of that. Like, I really hope he's aware that uh, that he, you got something great with Deanna. Don't squander it, you know? And Tony, she's going to retain. She's going to retain. We have Samoa Joe defending his AEW World Championship in a three-way match against Hangman Page and Swerve Strickland. Samoa Joe should not be losing the title really soon. He should not be losing the title. It's too early for him to drop it. Hangman is there to take the pin or submission. And you build up Swerve Strickland for Double or Nothing or AEW Dynasty because that's been trademarked and that might be an April pay-per-view. So we'll see how that goes. Um, But Samoa Joe is going to retain, no doubt. I think he should drop the title at double or nothing to swerve. I think that's the direction that they're going to head. That they're heading to. We got Orange Cassidy. Defending. The international championships. Against Roderick Strong. 
And I got to be real, Undisputed Kingdom has been ice cold. It has. But I don't know what they're going to do with the IC, with the uh, International Championship. Um, all I can say is this. Roderick Strong needs to win the title. I think he's going to win the title. And the question is, how do you follow it up? That's what I want to know. How do you follow it up? So I'm going with Roderick Strong. I think we're going to have a new champion uh, crowned. And what do you do with Undisputed Kingdom after that? And in the main event, which it should be, because you advertised this, you have Sting and Darby Allen defending their AEW tag team titles against the Young Bucks. And this will be Sting's retirement match. And this is a tornado tag team match. So I expect a lot of craziness. I expect a lot of of insane shit. Now, this could go either way. You could have Sting and Darby retain their titles. And then they vacate the titles to crown a new champion by Tony's specialty. The tournaments. And look, I love tournaments just like everybody else. <clears throat> or I could see Sting doing the honors and he drops the title to the Young Bucks, which I would not mind that at all. And you let Sting have his moment. And I think Tony's going to go all out for, um, like, I honestly think he's going to go all out with, uh, with Sting's retirement because the way that he's booked Sting, he has booked him to look like a million bucks. And that's exactly what they did. That's exact, And I commend AEW for that. I commend them for making him look like a big deal. That's what I love. But it's fairly obvious that... Like, it's fairly obvious that... um that if the Young Bucks wins, that really cements their role as heels. And I will love that. I will love that. So I'm going with the Young Bucks. I think the Young Bucks are going to win the tag titles. And I think that's the direction we're going to go with. But um, I will cover it on the next episode of this podcast. So tune in for that. But now let's talk New Japan. Let's talk some New Japan stuff. Tama Tonga is heading to WWE. It's official. WWE is expected to land a notable free agent in Tama Tonga. Now, the news was first reported by Dave Meltzer per The Observer that Tama Tonga is headed to the company after working for New Japan for nearly 14 years. He finished up this past Saturday in a tag match where he, he and his brother where he teamed with uh, Tangaloa, they put over their other brother, Hikaleo and Phantasmo, with Jado as the referee. As for Tonga, he has been on WWE's radar for a while. Now, for those of you who don't know Tama Tonga, um, he started his career as in All Japan Pro Wrestling, where he worked as King Tonga, Haku, and Ming before going to New Japan, where he was part of the Bullet Club with AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows. While with New Japan, he held the IWGP tag title seven times with, to with Loa 
while holding the never open weight title four times. Now, if you wonder, if you wonder why the Good Brothers are in NXT, I mean, it's fairly obvious. It's the best way to introduce Tamatanga. And then you'd create a dynamic with AJ Styles and Tamatanga when they officially get called up to the main roster, which I don't mind. And I think he's going to do well. I think he should start in NXT. He should not bypass NXT. They might debut him at Stand and Deliver and help the Good Brothers win the NXT Tag Team titles. I think that's a direction that they're going to be heading. But, um, like, I think that's a good gift for WWE. Now, I do want to talk about my experience with um, TNA, which I went to their No Surrender show, which was at the Alario Center, not that far away. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, honestly, if there's one thing I love about TNA is they just don't get a lot of... They're just underappreciated, and it's mostly because of their um, TV deal. But they have some really, really good talent. Like, they have some really, really good talent on that show. And all I could say is, is just, like, it's just one of those things. I, I look at it and I just say, man, this is, like, I've experienced impact and this was an amazing show. This was an amazing show. No Surrender was great. And before we went to No Surrender, here's a funny thing. I went to this place called Desi Vega's. I went to this place called Desi Vega's um, Burgers and Milkshake. And before we went, it was good. We had the potato, um, potato size as our appetizer, which was delicious. And here's the rule of thumb. If you're going to order a burger, you can make your own. Just don't do what I do. Do not get a double. Because you will instantly be knocked out if you eat a double. I almost literally passed out at the show because I ate the double. But we came in. The It was a really good show. Like... The atmosphere was amazing. Originally, it was supposed to be 650 people, but with more people coming in, it was like 700 people at the Hilario Center just to see TNA. And we came in during the um the match between Speedball Mountain against the the Rascals, which I thought was really good. Speedball Mike Bailey is a beast. Like I'm sorry, Speedball Mike Bailey is just good at what he does, and. Like, all I can say is, he is just, wow. That's all I can say, wow. There, I did get a spot where he did the shooting star press, which was so good. I got it in slow motion. And <coughs> it was, I thought the match was good. And the Rascals, they defeated Speedball Mountain uh, on that match. And this was the countdown to No Surrender. We had the system, which was Brian Myers and Eddie Edwards taking on intergalactic jet setters, which is Kevin Knight and Kushida. 
this is my first time this was my first time watching Kushida wrestle live and my goodness Kushida looked fucking great but Kevin Knight bro Kevin Knight I gotta mention this about Kevin Knight this guy is gonna be a major major star when like I'll give it five years if he keeps it up like he has impressed me so much so freaking much and I, I loved every second of it. It was so good. It was so good, man. Now, the system, they got the win. And, th and there's that. Like, there's that. Like, it was a really, really good match. But we kicked things off. The main card was Eric Young versus Frankie Kazarian. This was to determine who will face the winner of the winner of Moose or Alex Shelley at sacrifice for the TNA World Championship. And I thought this was a good opener. It was a good opening match. Like it was good for what it was. And Eric Young, he got the win, so that means he's going to be going to sacrifice to challenge Whoever won the world championship match. Now. Like. And I thought it was good. It was a really good match. Now. What I thought was the second best match on the show. TN, the TNA tag titles. And I gotta say this. The tag titles. Look so good. Not only that. Just the titles in general look so great man like everything about their tag titles and their championships in general was amazing so many insane spots they did like a doomsday device like a suicide doomsday device on ace austin but i mean the and it's just great tag team wrestling bro that's the best way i could say it it was great tag team wrestling i enjoyed it um it was the it, at that point, it was the best match on the show. And ABC, they retained over Grizzle Young Vets. And I would literally would not mind if they ran it back. And I'm being real when I say that. I would not mind if they ran that match back. Like, come on. That, that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. And it just makes me proud to be a pro wrestling fan to see great stuff like this. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. Like everybody in that crowd enjoyed it. We had PCO versus Khan. I thought that was the weakest match on the show. It ended in a disqualification when Khan hit PCO with the chair. They were brawling. PCO, like freak of nature. He just knows how to do it. Like his interest is amazing. I'm sorry. I think out of all the interests, it, it's literally one of my favorites. But um, I, I was real. I was left impressed. Well, like PCO, I've seen his work before. I've seen him live in Ring of Honor. I've seen him live in TNA when it was Impact at the time. But um, he like it just continued their feud, I guess. And the best way I described it is, and I mean this in all the respect. This is just them setting up for possibly a stipulation match between the two. 
Which, I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind. I, I was just left thinking that when I was watching it uh, live. And the and like I said, the atmosphere was amazing. The atmosphere was absolutely amazing. And I will praise TNA for that because th they just know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. We had the TNA Knockouts Tag Team Championships on the line. MK Ultra, which is Killer Kelly, and Masha Slamovich taking on the, the, the champs Decay, which is Rosemary and Havoc. I thought this was a solid match. I thought this was solid for what it was. And it and I was shocked. We have new TNA Knockouts Tag Team Champions. And I, I just couldn't believe it. But I was happy for MK Ultra. Killer Kelly is... Fine as all hell. But after the match, they beat down Decay until Danny Luna and Jody Threat came in. And at the tapings, they pretty much beat the tag champs in one-on-one -on -one actions, like, separately. Danny Luna, I believe, beat Killer Kelly. And Jody Threat defeated Masha Slamovich. So it's more than likely that they're building towards them getting a title a tag title match at sacrifice. I think that's the def that's what we're going to be getting. So um but other than that, I I thought that was solid. Then we had Josh Alexander versus Simon Gotch. This was great. This was absolutely great. And I mean this wholeheartedly. This was really really great. And I loved when Simon Gotch came to Matt, Drama King Matt and he did the vault villain pose, and I'm like, yes, oh my god, man, because the vault villains was one of my favorite acts in NXT until they fucked them up on the main roster. But it was a nice little reunion to see, and this was great. This was absolutely great, and Josh Alexander he got the win, and. And there were so many people who agreed that, um, like, Ethan Page should come back. Because, look, I would love to see one more tag title run with the North. I think that would be so fucking cool, bruh. That would be so cool to see it again. But beggars can't be choosers. But Josh Alexander, he got the win. Really good stuff. And, uh, when, and here's the thing, when I came in during the show, when I came in during the knock, the countdown, I did see Rich Swan. I didn't interact with him, but I did see Rich Swan. Really cool dude. But anyway, back to the actual show. We had the no surrender rules where for the TNA world championship, where the person on each corner, the only way to win is if somebody threw in the towel. And I thought this was really good. This was a really good match. And look, I know there's some people who don't like Moose. But man, his spear was is freaking good. Like he had a chain around himself and he hit like five spears. He was spamming the spear button. And it led to Kushida throwing the towel. And like, I, I knew he wasn't going to uh, lose the title. He just won it from Alex Shelley at Hard to Kill. So it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any iota of a sense to just have him fucking, like, drop it back to Alex Shelley 
And now that leads to a story with Alex Shelley having issues with Kushida, which I did see at the tapings. They're teasing it because Alex Shelley is more than likely going to go heel. And I think that's the direction that we're going to be seeing. We had the knockouts championship on the line as uh, Jordan Grace defended her title against Giselle Shaw. This was really, really good, man. And you had Ash by Elegance watching at ringside. And if there's one thing I got to give Ash by TNA credit for is they're actually giving her character. They're giving Ash some character, which she never got in WWE. And it was a case of they called her up too soon. She should have stayed in NXT. But not. But we'll talk about Ash in a second. But um, the match itself I thought was really good. I got to give credit to Giselle Shaw. She is freaking amazing. Absolutely amazing. She did a Spanish fly. Off the apron and into the floor. Which was so good. It was so fucking good, man. And I... I I loved every second of it. I loved that match. It was amazing. And Jordan Grace, she retained with the Grace driver. And I loved it. I thought it was good. But then we get to the main event. This is what we came for. We came for Mustafa Ali. Taking on Chris Sabin for the X Division Championship. This was awesome. This was my favorite match and rightfully deserving to be on the main event. And everybody was rooting for Ali. Everybody. Well, almost everybody. Because if you're not rooting for Ali, you're making a big mistake. Ali got the chance to showcase what he can do if you gave him a chance. And Ali was freaking amazing in that match with uh, Chris Sabin. And... There was so many moments in this match where I thought Chris Saban was going to win and I was going to be left disappointed. But you had the good hands. They got involved. Ali hit the 450 splash to win the X Division Championship. Well fucking deserved, man. Literally, well deserved for um, Mustafa Ali. And... When the show was over, he got on the mic and he says, this is the first major title that he's won in over 20 years. 20 fucking years. And I look back and I'm like, WWE really dropped the ball with this guy. But hey, it's a blessing that they fired him because now he's doing his own thing. And also at the Tavens, I do want to mention this because at the Tavens, they did set up Nick Nimitz putting his IWGP Global Championship on the line against, uh, what's that guy's name? I forgot what his name was. Oh, what's his name? Steve Macklin, that's it. At Sacrifice. So it was, it was nice to see, um, Nick Nimitz's presence, but he was in Japan. Jake something squashed, um, Laredo Kid, Jake something, if they don't sign him, they're making a big mistake. They had an entertaining match with Diener and AJ Francis against Joe Hendry and Rich Swan, which I thought that was fun. You had the State of the Union address from, from uh, 
Mustafa Ali, which was interrupted by Chris Saban. How dare he? We had Zaya Brookside and Tasha Steeles going at it. This ended in a double countout. And Jordan Grace came out and said, you know what? Let's just make this a triple threat match. Let's make it a triple threat at Sacrifice. And they show they did like two tapings because I think they're going to be in Canada um, for, uh, I think, a month. No, they're going to be in Canada for Sacrifice. But all in all, I enjoyed TNA and I did get a chance to meet some wrestlers. So let me show, let me tell you how this runs, runs down to anybody who goes to a TNA show. They do a pre-show meet and greet and they do a post-show meet and greet. And the post-show for the No Surrender one, they had Brian Myers, Ash by Elegance, and Decay. Now, I got Decay and Ash by Elegance for $100. No tax needed. No tax needed. You just pay $40 for a single person that you want to meet. If you want to meet a tag team, that's $60. So, um, but it was really nice. Ash by Elegance is so nice. Like, And she noticed that I was wearing an Oscar shirt, which... Honestly, I was really happy to see that because she remembers that was her first, that was Oscar's first opponent. And she was really, really genuine and caring. I let her wear the sunglasses because look, she's elegant. She's elegant. And I do have the photo of it and it was really nice to see her. Rosemary actually remembered who I was. Like she, she wanted to know if she remembered who I was and I told her I was at the last uh, Impact show when you was when you was with Impact at the when it was Impact at the time, but I remember you, and she remembered who I was. Havoc, oh my god, oh my god. Havoc is so fucking nice. Like she may look menacing in person, but. Like, she may look menacing, but she was so fucking nice. Like, she, like after the photo was taken with Decay, like, I shook Rosemary's hand. I, and Havoc gave me the biggest hug. Oh, my goodness. She is such a sweetheart. And she streams on Twitch. She streams on Twitch. And, oh, my goodness. Just literally so wholesome one of the most wholesome wrestlers that you will ever meet. Like, they are so nice. And if you ever, ever want to meet a wrestler, don't be shy, okay? Give it a chance. Like, talk to them like they're human beings. Just like I talk to you guys on this podcast. Now, at the pre-show for the tapings, they had Zaya Brookside. I wish I could have met Zaya Brookside, but my main goal was getting to meet Mustafa Ali. That was one of my goals. And I did meet Mustafa Ali after the show. It was amazing. That's the best way I could say it. It was amazing. I loved every second of it. I geeked out. I just told him, dude, you are amazing. And Ali, we trust. And I got the photo. Real, just really underappreciated. That's the that's the only thing I could say about um about Ali. He is criminally underappreciated. WWE could have done so much with the guy. This could have been the gimmick in NXT. Yet they let him go. 
But TNA is taking the opportunity to make things possible. So I'm happy that he, he's in TNA. It's the right place. And I hope we see more of him. Because he's literally the best thing about the X Division right now. I can't wait to see what they do next. I can't wait. But if you ever want to experience TNA, take the time to experience it. They will do like a pay-per-view and then they do a tape. And so if you want to experience what it's like, trust me, it's going to be worth all the money that you're going to be paying. Trust me. As somebody who is a fan, as somebody who loves the sport, as somebody who loves pro wrestling, the energy is tr it's just so amazing, dude. It is amazing if you ever go to their shows. Like, it is absolutely incredible. It makes me proud to be a pro wrestling fan. Now, there was... Now, I do want to mention this before I move on to the next part. Now, there was something that kind of just bothered me. And I know I'm not the only one. My brother could detest to this as well. Um, like... Like, I get it. You go to a wrestling show, you can say whatever the hell you want. But if you're going to a TNA show, and I, and I really mean this, please, please do not chant another wrestling promotion. Please don't chant another wrestling promotion that's not TNA. Don't try to compare Kushida to Shinsuke Nakamura where there's no comparison, and you're only saying that because he's Japanese. And... I know there's the Aubrey Edwards sisters. Like, I get it. It's all fun, but I don't know. I, I just said, like, just go out there. Enjoy the, ex like, experience pro wrestling. Be a fan. Don't chant stupid shit that's going to offend people. Just have fun. That's all you got to do. Have fun. And I really mean that wholeheartedly. Just have fun. But, um, there's that. But... I enjoyed my experience with TNA, like under this new era. I loved every second of it. It, it. it was so much fun, man. You got to go to a TNA show. This year alone, I went to WWE, AEW, and TNA. On April 20th, I'm going to the first Wildcat show of, of this year. I can't wait to see what Wildcat has in store for us. But other than that, like, I, I love it, man. I love being a pro wrestling fan. Yes, I'm talking to you. Do you like video games? Do you like watching me play video games? Are you into gaming? Well, what better way to see me in action playing different types of games like Fall Guys, uh, Splatoon 2, Chroma Squad, and many others? What better way to find me on Twitch? Twitch is my favorite place to stream. And uh, all I can say is you can, you're going to see greatness in me and gaming. Because I like to entertain my followers and just chat with them. See how their, lives are, how their lives are going. And you get to watch everything that I do for fun. I got, it's been four years since I got back into streaming, you know? Like, I was, the last game I streamed was uh, Overwatch. But if you or your friends like video games as much as I do, 
and you want to see me play it on Twitch, which I stream every Saturday, make sure you follow me on Twitch at Shino Phoenix. Just Shino Phoenix. And you get to see how fun it is to be a Twitch streamer. If you want to be a Twitch streamer yourself, make sure you make an account and you get to do great things as well. So again, make sure you follow me, twitch.tv slash Shino Phoenix. Once again, follow me, Shino Phoenix. And now back to our daily show. Now, I w- before we talk about more wrestling news, I want to talk about Maxine Dupree. Um, because I know if I don't talk about it, somebody's going to say, what's your thoughts on the Maxine Dupree stuff? But um, let me just give my thoughts on it real quickly. For those of you who did not see the... Um, <clears throat> for those of y'all who didn't see the video that was posted on Twitter, you saw that... Um, Maxine was booed by a fan, even though she was a baby face. And this led to a lot of people, mostly on the WWE side and in the wrestling community in general, coming to appreciate um, Maxine Dupree. And because she was getting like, like you have Rhea, you had Zelina, Britt Baker, like Jay Cargill and everyone else just coming at coming out to defend um Maxine Dupree. Now, look, I'm going to be real when I say it. she she is green, okay? That doesn't mean I'm going to boo her. Like I think WWE called her up way too soon. In my honest opinion, I think they called her up way too soon. Um, and they put her with the maximum male models, which it wasn't going to go anywhere. That was a Vince McMahon idea. As soon as Vince was canned, they put her with Alpha Academy, which look, it's entertaining in its own right. Don't get me wrong. I think it's entertaining, but we're starting to see less of the goofy stuff from Chad Gable. We rarely see any goofy shit, um, on Raw. Okay. Now... Do I think she should she should have stayed at the performance center and be on NXT to work on her craft? Absolutely. She does have a background in cheerleading, gymnastics, dancing. She could probably pick that up with ease, but she's still learning. It's they it's just that they put her and how would I put this without be, being blunt? Um they put her in a position where she either sinks or swim on the main roster. That's the best way I could put it there. Like, I'm not going to be like one of those fans and go on social media and saying that she should be fired. If, if you're one of those people, you're not a fan. Like, you're not a fan. You just want her to be gone. For what? Just because she's not improving? Like, there's nothing wrong with trying to be better. Like, she like she wrestled, like, for a year now, and she's still trying to pick this up. And 
look, we go to a show, we can say whatever we want, but at the end of the day, these people are human too. And it probably really takes a toll on the talent because if you're getting booed for trying to be better, then as a human being, as a fan, you got to be better. Like, I want to see Maxine succeed. Like, I think she is talented. I think she's beautiful. Like, and, and here's a little reality. Looks ain't going to get you everywhere. And that's going to be a little fact check right there. But it's not the attitude era. It's not the old school era anymore. I think she's going to take time. I'm giving her a lot of time. Because I know for a fact that she is going to pick this up with these. I know for a fact that Maxine Dupree is going to shock everybody and prove everybody wrong. Like, she's going to pick this up. And I guarantee that she will be a really, really big star when the timing is right. She just needs time. That's, that's just how I see it. She just needs more time. And I'm going to give her more time. Like, I know that she's green, okay? I know for a fact that she's green. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, just give it time. She's going to get there. Let's not wish failure upon somebody who's trying to improve in the ring. Let's not wish failure upon that. Like, it's the same thing with people who want to grow their content, people who want to stream, and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like, we just, like, don't get me wrong. We, we can go to a show. We say whatever we want. And here's the thing. A house show is there to make people better. They probably won't be on the show. And all I guess, like, and I'm just, and I'm not trying to, like, I think just both parties need to understand that everybody wants to be better. Like, everybody wants to be better. Trust me. I know for a fact. Like, I know for a fact that we all want to be better. We all want to succeed. We all want to just be the best versions of ourselves. But, like, I, I'm giving it time. And I'm being real when I say it. I, I am going to give it time. Because the thing with, um... The thing with uh with Maxine, it's all about timing. I know she could pick this up. It's just she needs more time. She needs more time. But don't be one of those fans that just wishes that she was fired, and then she goes to another promotion and she proves her worth, and then. You're going to be cheering her on when you didn't cheer for her to be better in WWE. It's fucking hypocritical. Like, it's hypocritical to do shit like that. As a fan, we want... Like, as fans, we want to see her succeed. We want to see her succeed. And I know... I know for a fact... That you guys want to see her uh, succeed. Everybody should be better that's the thing that matters just be better and i guarantee we're gonna be rooting for her we're gonna be 
happy that she's improving. And just a case in point, when Tiffany Stratton came to NXT, she was on she was on 205 Live before they switched it to NXT Level Up. She was green as grass. And I saw potential in her. And once she got better and better, she won the title for a reason. And not only that, she's on the main roster. She had a breakout performance at the Elimination Chamber. And I guarantee bigger things are going to come for her on the main roster. Let's use Nia Jax as an example. Nia Jax. We used to trash on Nia Jax. And now that she's back, and I honestly could say this, I say this every time, Nia Jax right now, this version of Nia Jax is the best version of Nia Jax that we have seen on uh, the main roster. This is the best version of Nia Jax that we've seen. We used to trash on Nia Jax because of her list of injuring people, etc., etc. Like, I I just want people to understand that, hey, it's going to take time. You Like, people could learn it on the fly. People could learn it with ease. But for those who are trying to learn, just root for her, man. Root for people who are trying their damnedest to be better. Like, literally, root for the people that are trying their best to improve, not only in the ring, but improve... To be, to be like better, you know. That's that's just how I see it, you know. And I want people to understand. Yes, you go to a show, and I know I repeated myself, but I'm just gonna say it. Just in conclusion, you can go to the show, you go to a house show, watch the people trying to be better, and. You can say whatever the hell you want. I don't care. But don't take it too far. And I know I said it for my TNA stuff. But like, just go to a show. Enjoy what they're trying to do. Don't heckle them. Don't be an asshole. Like seriously, do not be an asshole. If you're an asshole, then I don't even know what else I could tell you. You're just a dick. Like, you're just a dick. Like, I cannot tell you guys. How much, how much people would do shit like this and it just kills the the mood, you know what I'm saying? But just do better. Let's root for Maxine Dupree. Let's root for her to succeed. Let's root for her to be better. And she's going to get there. She's going to come a long way. And then once she come, comes a long way, you're going to be the same people that says, oh, she's gotten better. The same people who boo her. And, and you know John Cena said it best. Relish relish the boos. Improve your haters wrong. Like, usually that would be my saying. Just prove the haters wrong. Prove people wrong. That's the best feeling possible. The more you prove people wrong, the more those people who booed you, they will be your biggest fan. Trust me. Let them hate. Let them hate. Because karma is really going to come really good on those people. But, like, I wanted to talk about that because that was the first thing that just that just came uh, in my mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, it really just came in my mind. But um, let's move on. Let's talk about WWE's uh, 
just on a hot streak right now. They extend their strong live event business as impressive streak continues. WWE's business across the board is strong these days, thanks to a guaranteed big money media right deals with NBC Universal and Fox, currently for Raw, NXT, and SmackDown. The streaming rights for Peacock for the PLEs and libraries and license fees. Their live events tour and business is on fire, something that has been building for last year and a half. Ironically, around the time that Triple H took the book late summer of 2022. Now, WrestleTix, who I would recommend, WrestleTix is the is the um Twitter handle I would recommend if you if you uh want to know about wrestling ticket sales. They do a great job tracking attendance figures and noted that this Friday's episode of SmackDown has sold out with 11,000 tickets, 11,457 tickets. The last time Raw was at the venue, they drew 12,000 uh, and 325 for September SmackDown. There are currently 718 tickets out for resale. Per the account, with Raw looking like it will sell out as well, this upcoming SmackDown will mark the fourth straight TV event that WWE has sold out. They could extend that streak within the next week of Raw, which has over 1,000 tickets left. If that does not tell you that WWE is white hot, I don't even know what else I can say. I don't even know what else I can tell you. They are white hot. And if you're everybody backstage in WWE, if you're looking behind the scenes, you should be happy. Like, honestly, you should be happy. Because this is a big deal. And... I'm happy that this company is white hot. Like, I'm literally happy that they're white hot. They are literally hitting every strive and um and making and making like the best like content, you know? Like, I think the business boom has really picked up for for WWE. And it's gonna continue because Everybody's invested in what they're doing right now. Like, I'm invested in what they're doing right now. Like, legitimately invested. And I'm happy to see what they have in store. Um, like, I'm happy to see what they're going to have in store for us, even after WrestleMania. Like, I'm really happy to see what we got in store for, uh, for this, uh, how would I put this? For this year. Because I guarantee bigger things are going to come. For WWE. Now. Let's talk about. Let's talk about. Um, Vince McMahon. And I could. Int- I could tell you that. Just talking about it. And hearing his voice. I would pull. My own hair out of my head. Because you know. They're going to be asking. About Vince McMahon. And we talked about John Cena's response. We talked about Randy Orton's response. Now, there's a lot of talent in WWE 
that have said some stuff that they opened up about Vince McMahon. And I want to talk about that real quickly because there's more stars that are speaking. Kevin Owens is one of them. He was interviewed by the Daily Mail and he was asked about the Vince McMahon allegations. And this is his response. He says, there's really no words to describe uh, how sad this makes me feel. If the people who spoke out went through what they went through, that's terrible. It's shameful and it can't ha ever happen again. That's what it comes down to. Becky Lynch also gave her thoughts on the situation in the same article by saying this. These allegations are horrible and it's hard to reconcile as a talent and, and as a woman. But my experience in WWE has only ever been amazing. Now Lynch brought up the past restriction on female talents with their matches, citing not being able to punch in other sports. However, she was able to help push women's wrestling forward in the company and is grateful for that. She added that some of these things right now are hard to reconcile. And, like, they know it's horrible. They know these allegations are horrible. Because, you know, every time they're going to be asking them questions, they're going to be saying... They're going to be saying um, about these allegations and you know they have to be honest. Like, it's messed up. It's messed up. And look, it's best for the company to just erase everything Vince McMahon. He's not even going to be in 2K24, which we do have news on 2K24. Just give it time. And speaking of Vince McMahon, let's continue the Vince McMahon train. An ex-WWE writer says Vince McMahon was fired him for, and get this, changing racially incentive segment that aired on MLK Day. Former WWE writer Michael Leonardi is alleging that the company fired him for changing a script against Vince McMahon's wishes. He first joined in 2001, where he worked until 2005 as part of the on-air promotion department before returning to April, in April of 2015 as a creative writer. He was fired on January 2016. Now, he shares two videos on his link, LinkedIn account detailing both departures. Leonardi captured his first video with, I was fired by Vince McMahon back in 2016 while trying to protect the company from airing a racially incentive segment. For years, I felt ashamed and replayed the situation with 1,000 of times over my head and trying to figure out what I could have done to not get fired. In light of everything going on, I just wanted to get it off my chest as I'm finally do starting to feel like maybe I didn't deserve to be fired. In the first video, he claimed he was fired from the company for changing a segment on a Martin Luther King Jr. Day edition on Raw in 2016, he noted it still rubs him the wrong way and wonders what he could have done differently. Neville, Titus O'Neil, R-Truth, and Mark Henry were in the segment with a script being given to them on short notice. Now, the script called for Neville to speak up and tell everyone else that he's got a dream too, and that dream is to win the Royal Rumble. And I remember Neville coming up to me after he read it 
And he says, he was like, I can't say this. Trying to compare a wrestler who, who one day win the Royal Rumble to one of the most iconic speeches in American history about civil rights and how important that was. To try to play on that was just dumb and it was poor writing. Exactly. 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 I Have a Dream is one of the iconic speeches in American history. And to use that, to give Neville that line in front of like R-Truth, Mark Henry, and and Titus O'Neil in that segment, that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Now, he pointed out that it makes Neville look weak and not a babyface. He said Truth, Henry, and O'Neill were also uncomfortable with the line. And this is what he said. Not only was Neville not comfortable saying it, the other three guys in the room, Titus and R-Truth and Mark Henry, were like, yeah, this is fucking terrible. They were uncomfortable with the situation, and Talon did not want to film it. They tried to do it without coming off as racially insensitive. WWE changed the script to have R-Truth deliver the line instead of Neville, something Leonardi thought said was light and fun. Now, Dave Kapoor, the boss of Leonardi, told McMahon about the changes, leading to Leonardi needing to explain the situation. He says, I'll never I'll never forget this. He sta- He's staring at the screen, he takes off his headphones, and he turns to me and says, so you didn't give me what I wanted. I explained to him again what we did, the circumstances around it, the limitations that we had, I took full responsibility for it, and then he just chewed me the fuck out. Pardon my French. At SmackDown the next day, he was t- given a script and told that Titus O'Neil needed to deliver it word for word. It took two hours for them to film this. He noted that if he could change things, they would have filmed it, filmed it in another version the wrestlers wanted to do. He said, we collaborated, we put... We all put our heads together, my boss included. We put together what we thought was the best possible thing, but Vince thought that was the major no-no, and I got fired for it. Now, regarding his 2005 departure, he said he was supposed to create a video package for the Muhammad Hassan and Undertaker feud leading up to Great American Bash, but asked to work on something else because he thought the angle was insensitive following the London bombings in 2005. He was demoted as a result before being given back his responsibilities after UPN insisted that Muhammad Hassan's character no longer uh, should be shown on their network, leading to him eventually leaving shortly after. You see this right here? Like, just because Vince is in charge at that time, he thought doing racially insensitive segments is going to create cash. You know, the saying controversy creates cash. Just reading about this is fucking sick. Like, if you have Neville, who is now Pac, who was uncomfortable saying that I have a dream uh, line in front of R-Truth, Titus O'Neil, and Mark Henry, and they are also uncomfortable about it, Like, they have every right to be uncomfortable. And not only that, they would have possibly lost a lot of sponsorships with that. But this is Vince. He does not give a shit. 
In his mind, controversy is going to get more buzz for the product, but in reality, it's going to drive more people away from said product. And and that's and that's just absolutely crazy, you know? And speaking of Vince, let's talk Matt Riddle. Now, Matt Riddle actually talked about the differences between Triple H and Vince McMahon. So he was a guest on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani. And Hawani asked Riddle about the changes in WWE under Triple H and how things are different than when Vince was around running creative. So Riddle echoed what many have said privately about th things being more organized these days. Now Riddle said this, with Triple H in control, it's a lot more organized in a sense of things that are organized. At least when I was there, it was scheduled for this unless something catastrophic happened. If somebody got injured or something, something's not going to work out, that's what's happening the next day. They write it and it actually happens. Now with Vince... I feel like he did it on purpose, which I could believe that. <laughs> Shit, I could believe that because it's it's fucking Vince McMahon. Like it's literally Vince McMahon. He will do shit on purpose for the sake of doing shit on purpose. Hell, he will shit in a toilet and not flush it and do it on purpose. I don't know the method, but like there would be a show. You get a script on like Sunday, and by Monday, nobody knew what's what they were doing, they were, the show was being completely rewritten and stuff like that. With Vince around, it was like that probably every week. A little chaotic, and you hear it on the news. You hear it on the wrestling news sites that Vince tore up the script. Show's rewritten. We've seen it. We've seen that on the Raw After Mania last year when it was Vinceified. Like, literally, we see that every single time when Vince had his, his greasy old ass hands on it. Like, I almost feel like he did that on purpose because I feel like when people know exactly what's going to happen, you're, gonna, you're doing a live TV and you're trying to get the passion and that energy. You kind of get set into a pattern because you know what's happening. Now, Riddle said that sometimes you'll see something look too choreographed, but... Things look better when you just call it in the ring. Also doing an interview, like Riddle, he talked about admitting that he failed multiple drug tests. I, I mean, I don't really care about talking about that, but this is the Vince stuff that I wanted to talk about. And yes, under Triple H, everything feels different. Everything feels like it's balanced. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just feels like it's... And I'm trying to find the right word for this. Like... The right word for this is so simple. You look at Triple H. You don't hear no reports about morale being being bad. You hear no reports about talent being frustrated. You hear about talent being happy. They're passionate. They love coming to work. They The morale's at an all-time high under Triple H and Nick Khan. And when you compare it to Vince McMahon, morale at an all-time low. People frustrated. Trying to go to Triple H for advice. Like, wanting out of their contract. Like, waiting until their contract comes to an end so they can leave. Like, 
it was Vince's creative process that literally sucked the life out of that company, you know? And it's really, and it's just, it's embarrassing, you know? Like, it is so embarrassing. It just defies everything. And I'm glad that Triple H is taking the, the creative side. And kudos to the people of TKO having the fucking common sense to give Triple H the full creative control and not Vince around the time when Vince was still part of TKO and now he's not, which is good. It's for the better. And this is the right thing, man. This is the right thing. Triple H knows what he's doing. Vince passed his prime. But anyway... Well, all the Vince stuff, I, I don't, I really don't like talking about Vince, but we have to. It's a, it's a podcast. We have to talk about it. Now, we do have an injury news, and that's Piper Niven, because look, anything could happen in pro wrestling. Um, Sean Ross Sapp revealed on FIFO that uh, Piper Niven sustained a hand injury in the last month, and she hasn't been around a, a, since then. Now, the internal feel was that it was a broken hand. Her last match was at the main event tapings earlier this month. And I want to wish Piper Niven a speedy recovery. I hope um, she is doing well. And I just hope it's not a broken hand. I really hope it's not a broken hand. Now, WWE may have changed plans for Gunther heading into WrestleMania, which... I think I know where they might be going with this because I could see a multi-man match done on Raw, which, or I would throw out an idea when we go for WrestleMania. We could have Gunther defend the title at night two of WrestleMania. And you're going to hear what my idea is when we talk about it because it is really a really good deal. It's a really good idea and it's something that I think you guys might like. And this could play a part for what we saw on Raw with Sammy, with Chad Gable, possibly people that we're not seeing like Ricochet and Bronson Reed. Like, I, I already got an idea for what they might do for night one. And I hope they play this into action. Now, we have an indie wrestler who is hired by WWE as a writer's assistant. And that indie wrestler's name is Patrick Scott. He has been hired by WWE after working on the independent scene. He worked his farewell match in Premier Wrestling Federation, Federation PWF at their Goodbye Crystal Coast event this past weekend after he put over Bojack in a Loser Leaves Town match. Now, he worked as an enhancement talent in NXT for 2017 and 18 and worked for PWF in Deadlock Pro Wrestling on the Indies. Now, Scott confirmed on social media that he's been hired by WWE to work as a writer's assistant, something that was first reported by Bodyslam.net on Sunday. So this is what he said. Yesterday, I left NC as an independent wrestler. Today, I woke up in Connecticut as an employee of WWE. I have much more to say, but Twitter's character limits is telling me to take it home to every single person who has supported me in... My 10 plus year career, thank you. His profile noted that he will be an assistant on SmackDown's brand, which I think that's a good spot. 
where he will help support members of the creative team with their responsibilities. That's a good get. That is a really, really good get for um for uh for WWE. And I think that's gonna really help with the creative as well. But I like it. I think that's good. I think that is really, really good. Now WWE speak now we gotta talk lawsuits. I don't like talking about lawsuits, but WWE has filed a lawsuit against the Texas Attorney General. Ken Paxton. It was filed on February 16th to prevent the release of the agreement between WWE and the city of San Antonio. Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomic reports the release of the deal would reveal how much WWE was paid to bring Royal Rumble to the city last year. WWE claims the deal is a trade secret and has proprietary information that fits an exemption and Texas's public information law. Last April, city officials were granted an exemption from the state attorney general office. This allowed them to withhold from bidding on the deal that changed last month as attorney general revised the decision with assistant attorney general Michelle Garza, stating WWE has failed to provide specific factual evidence demonstrating The information at issues is confederal under Texas public information law. The revision appears to be bought on by the reviews following a second record request done before last October. As WWE says, it received notice from San Antonio about another request. The second organization that was requested was Intelligence Options, LLC. WWE stated that the request is now moot and it was made in connection with a lawsuit that has since been settled. And I don't know what's going on, but if I have more details on this, I will let you guys know. Really not my type of thing to talk about, but but here we are. Now... WWE 2K24 is going to be coming out next week. I will be playing it early since I got the deluxe edition. So I get a three-day early access. And the rest get it on the regular day it comes out. Now, we have the list of the DLCs. And I'm going to read them to you. But it will feature 25 playable superstars and additional bonus items. And this is what we got for May 2024, the ECW Punk Pack. On that pack, you get CM Punk, the Dudley Boys, Bubba and Devon, the Sandman, and Terry Funk. In the My Faction content, you get ECW's Paul Heyman. You get the Manager Card, the Super Cards, etc. The Post Malone and Friends Pack. This is going to be in June of 2024. On that pack, you get Post Malone. Sensational Sherry, Mosh and Thrasher, the Headbangers, the Honky Tonk Man, and you have Jimmy Hart as the manager. For the My Faction content, you have Pat McAfee. No, no, no. You have you have the My Faction content as well. For the Pat McAfee show pack, which is in July of this year, you get Pat McAfee as a playable character. You get playable co-hosts. We don't know who they are. And you got the co-host manager cards for the My Factions. 
on August, you get the global superstar, um, superstars pack. On this, on this one, you get Jay Cargill, Nia Jax, Michelle McCool, Carlito, Kyrie Sane, Lyra Valkyria, and Dragon Lee. Now, and you also get the My Faction content as well. For the WCW pack, which would be in November, you get Diamond Dallas Page, you get Iron Sheik, you get Mr. Perfect. This one, this next person surprised me, the Great Muta. And I'm happy for that. And Lex Luger. And if you got the Deluxe Edition, you don't have to pay an extra 30 bucks to uh, get them. You just download them for free. <laughs> but I'm happy that Jay Cargill is going to be in there. I can't wait to see how they do her entrance. And Jay Cargill is actually going to be, like, making a choice really soon. And I could definitely see her challenging Nia at WrestleMania. But CM Punk being there, because people wanted CM Punk, and we got him. 2K listened, and we got him. I'm happy that Dragon Lee's in the game as a DLC. And I'm happy that Kyrie is back. That is awesome. And I think 2K24 is going to be one of the best 2K games that we will ever play. You know, I think it's going to be one of the greatest. And I think there's going to be a growing community of people who is just going to show off their creative side, which, you know, I, I'm a sucker for that. I love showing off my creativity. That's the best thing about uh, being a 2K streamer. I love it. Now we go to Drew McIntyre. Now, it's been a week for Drew McIntyre. He has had possibly the best run right now. His best character work in WWE. And I'm enjoying every second of it. Every single dig that he gave to CM Punk, I love it. Like, every time I watch this man work, it's just entertaining. It's literally entertaining shit. And I love every second of it. Um... But there was a rumor that on Tuesday that Drew McIntyre has signed a new deal with WWE. However, Mike Johnson of PW Insider reported that that is not the case. And nothing has changed regarding McIntyre's contract situation. Um, everyone in WWE is working on the assumption that the deal will be reached eventually. Now, it was added that McIntyre legitimately busted his... Uh, Burst his eardrum in the chamber bout. And it doesn't look like he will miss any time. Because he was on Monday Night Raw. And I still believe. I still believe for a fact. That he is going to us re-sign with WWE. I think that is the right place for him. And when that time is right. I'm just telling you. It's going to be a big deal. Now. NXT Europe. It's still go to it's still a go to launch and we'd still wanted to know this when is it gonna be starting up? Cause WWE announced in August of 2022 that NXT UK will be going on hiatus ahead of launching the NXT Europe brand in 2023. Obviously that time has passed as NXT Europe is not up and running. 
with the company cutting a lot of talent following the hiatus of the brand. While speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer was recapping TKO's earning call on Tuesday, where Nick Khan addressed the question about NXT UK and Europe, noting that the company doesn't have a start date for the launch. Now, Nick Khan kind of jumped in, and I mean, he didn't know that NXT UK ceased to exist many months ago, but he didn't know that it was going to become NXT Europe, which, of course, we were told when an NXT UK ceased to exist that we would, you know, early last year, especially in the first quarter of 2023, that it was going to be brought back as NXT Europe, bigger and better. And I was always skeptical because it's like you're bringing it back in a couple of months. Like, you fired everybody. The reason they did that, the, the reason they did is that we are now in the first part of 2024. There is absolutely no date for NXT Europe. I presume at some point there will be. They didn't seem to know, so Nick Khan basically didn't address the fact. You know, he didn't want to tell the guy that there is no NXT UK we don't got a day for NXT Europe. He just said that the deal is if WWE does any added programming and they do have goals to have, um, trying to look like they, no, 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 I'm trying to see. They do have goals and have eventually have outputs in all over the world. The same thing that they talked about for years. Japan, Mexico, Latin America, Europe, and the Middle East. And trying to look at guys all over the world and having development programs in all these places. If they do TV with these groups, that TV, Netflix, has the first rights to every one of those TV shows. But they don't have to take them. And if they don't take them, then WWE has the rights to sell them all over the world locally. In those markets, in the United States, to another career. So they're pretty much saying we don't know when um, we're going to launch NXT Europe. Like, we're still waiting. You've been talking about NXT Europe, and we're waiting on an answer. So until that time comes, just let us know when, man. Let us know when. And we got SummerSlam news. We might have a location for SummerSlam. And Sean Ross Sapp was the first to report that WWE was looking to hold the event in Cleveland, Ohio, the Miz and Johnny Gargano's hometown. Now, WrestleVotes confirmed the report and added that WWE is close to finalizing a deal and they will bring it to the Cleveland Browns Stadium, which I think that would be great. I think Cleveland deserves a SummerSlam and they're finally going to get it and I'm happy about it. Super happy about it. They absolutely deserve their uh, SummerSlam. And I know this is going to be a big deal for uh, Johnny Gargano and The Miz. And if they do something for Johnny in for uh, SummerSlam, expect a big, big reaction. And I guarantee they're going to give him his moment at SummerSlam if he's not going to be on the card for WrestleMania. But um, I'm really happy about it. I think that's good. Now, unfortunately, we do have some sad news um, to report. Like, we had three deaths. Two in the wrestling business and one in the entertainment industry. Um, 
Monday, we lost Ole Anderson. He was one of the found, founders of the Four Horsemen, and he was one of the main. He was like a manager and a writer. Um, he passed away. Um, and then on the twenty eighth, uh, on the twenty eighth of February, we found out that um former WWE slash ECW no WCW star Virgil um passed away. Now this news comes from Mark Charles the third. Who post the following on Facebook and it write and it reads, My dear friends, it is with great sorrow that I bring news from the Jones family of the passing of our beloved Michael Jones, who we know and loved as Virgil, Vincent, Soul Train Jones, and more. Virgil passed peacefully at the hospital this morning, and I ask that you pray for him and for his family. May his memory be eternal. Uh, Virgil, he has been dealing with numerous health issues in recent years, including a diagnosis of the of dementia in 2022 and two strokes prior to that. His sister stated that he never had cancer, as he had previously claimed. Now, before becoming Virgil, Mike Jones got his start as Soul Train Jones in the CWA in Memphis. His biggest run happened when he was in the WWF, where he was paired with the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. As DiBiase's bodyguard, he never spoke, but in early 1991, he broke away and became his own man, with Roddy Piper by his side. Fans heard him speak for the first time once he officially turned babyface. The Virgil name was a rib on Dusty Rhodes, real name Virgil Runnels. Years later, when Jones signed with WCW, he was renamed Vincent, which is a rib on Vince McMahon. And for a brief time, he was known as Shane, a rib on Shane McMahon. He continued to work on the independent, independent shows for many years after WCW folded. And he was brought back to WWE in 2010 to reprise his bodyguard character for a storyline with Ted DiBiase Jr. And i like to send my condolences to Ole Anderson, um, Virgil... And Richard Lewis, who passed away, um, like yesterday, like on Wednesday, he passed away, and it was really sad to hear that um, he's that these guys are not uh, here in this world, and I know for a fact that they are in a better place. So I send my condolences to the families of those, and just. And I hope their souls are just at, at peace. Like, when you hear about a wrestling death or somebody you know in the entertainment industry passing, it's just hard to put it in words, you know? It's really hard to put it in words and just really sad to hear that they're not here. Like, my condolences again to um, the family of these three talented performers. Monday Night Raw took place at the SAP Center in San Jose, California. And I thought overall, I thought it was a really good show, in my honest opinion. I thought it was a good, good episode of Monday Night Raw as we kick off the build for WrestleMania. And uh, looking forward to it, but I, I enjoyed the show overall. And we start things off with Dom Dom, Dominic Mysterio, he's in the ring and... 
And Dom, let me say this. He is getting married soon. So congratulations to Dirty Dominic Mysterio. And I expect uh, nothing but happiness for you in your life. But he's in the ring and he's getting booed. Because why not? Everybody loves to boo Dominic Mysterio. And I want—I just like it, man. I like it. Like, Dom is really good, man. Dom is really good at his job. But Rhea Ripley comes out. And the, the reason why they've had Dom with Rhea is because they know for a fact that Rhea is super over. She is white hot over. And... Rhea comes out, gets on the mic. She's talking about successfully defending her title in the main event of her home country. And says, being from down under doesn't keep her from being on top. Now, this this brings out uh, Becky Lynch. She comes out and she says, they both had quite a night. And now she's going to beat Rhea at WrestleMania, which did get some booze. And... Dominic tells her that you can't talk to his mommy like that. And she tells him to shut his mouth. And he calls him a dirty comquat. She should have called him a dope. Naya, shut up, you dope. <laughs> I, I love it when, when Becky says that. It That should be a shirt. Why, is it, why, why isn't that a shirt? You dope. But, um... If Rhea won't put him in his place, she will. Now, Ripley tells her to never disrespect Dom like that again. And she congratulates her on winning the Elimination Chamber and says, It's about time you actually won something instead of just talking trash. She says she's the backbone of this division. And but behind every great man is a greater woman. But she's not behind Becky. Because mommy is always on top. Now Nia Jax arrived. She attacked Becky Lynch. And she laid her out with a with a leg drop. And she hits the annihilator. Like she drags her into the corner. She's about to go for the uh, annihilator. But you got Adam Pierce and a pack of referees. Including Ken Dean and Jamie Noble. Coming out and Nia just backs down. So it's going to play a part to what happens with Nia uh, later in the match. Because she does have a match uh, on the show. But the segment itself was pretty eh. That's the best way I could say it. It was eh. But um, really not much I could get excited about. But just saying the least. But it was just eh. Now Jackie Redman, she was backstage with Nia Jax. And... She says that Becky won the Elimination Chamber, but she's the one who should be going to WrestleMania, and she's going to visit 10 times what she intends to give Becky to Liv Morgan tonight. We had a really good match between Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura. These two know each other so well, but I still think it's not bad. I still think their match at TakeOver Dallas is their best match. But it was a much needed win for Sami Zayn. Because the guy has been losing. And he finally exercised the demon that was Shinsuke Nakamura. 
Like, it was Shinsuke Nakamura. He finally exercised that demon, and he needed that win. But it was a, it was a really good match. It was a really, really good match. Now, we go to Chelsea Green, who's in the ring, and she says, after issuing a formal complaint, <coughs> excuse me, to management, she'll be competing under protest. And... She'll be competing under protest. And last week, she would have won the last chance battle royal and go on to win the illustrious winner of, to be the illustrious winner of the Elimination Chamber. But had Adam Pierce not added Raquel Rodriguez as a secret last entry, she claims she's a fraud. She's a fraud and she decides that she's a star and. And she said that Raquel flew all the way to Perth to lose and, you know, take a shot at the your local sports team to get heel heat. And after everyone shuts up, she's going to kick Raquel Rodriguez's ass, which brings out Raquel Rodriguez, which led to Raquel beating Chelsea Green. Really not much I could say about it. It was a squash. It was kind of a squash, but it was a dominant win for Raquel. Now, Sami Zayn is backstage, and he's interviewed by, I believe, Jackie Redman. And he says the loss, a loss tonight would have been a destructive, and he talks about the momentum gained. And when Imperium walked by, Gunther stops, sizes him, and he just laughs at him, and we go on break. Now, Kathy Kelly was backstage. Now, we're, now we're going to talk about Gunther for a second, because... I do have a lot of ideas what they could do for Gunther and the Intercontinental Championship being planned for WrestleMania. Now, Kathy Kelly was backstage with Cody Rhodes, and he says, look, challenging The Rock wasn't a strategy. It was because he got slapped across the face. He said that he's been watching Grayson Waller and talks about his first and last appearance on the Grayson Waller effect and points out now he's getting his first main event on Monday Night Raw tonight. And you could take a wild guess what happened on in that main event of Raw. So Imperium, they're in the ring. And Gunther begins, he gets on the mic. He talks about how he retained the Intercontinental Championship opposite Jey Uso last week. And he says, therefore, the greatest, and so on. And he admits Jey almost had him beat. Like, and I love this about um, Gunther, you know. I love the fact that Gunther is acknowledging that Jay almost beat him. And not like the heel saying, oh, I, I didn't lose, I didn't almost lose and all that other shit. Gunther actually acknowledges that, and I love that. And he felt it slipping away from him for the first time. But he can be honest. Nobody's perfect. But he's the very, very close. Before the boys outclass the New Day later on, he needs to address his future. Over 600 days, he's worked to make the title the most prestigious in the company's history. He's beaten everyone, and he's asked, who's left for him to fight at WrestleMania? He sees what we said about uh, Sami Zayn, Chad Gable, The Miz, 
and even our truth. And he's like, really? Our truth? Which he got a big reaction. And this is where the segment got really, really intriguing. The Judgment Day came out. And Damian Priest squares up to Gunther. And he tells him they don't sweat him. Even though his run is second only to the Judgment Day that they're on. They ran the table at Elimination Chamber and they plan to do the same at WrestleMania. Add even more gold, including the Intercontinental Championship. And Gunther says clearly Damian isn't going to cash in on him. So who's it going to be? Is it going to be Finn Balor? Big head over there, which he's referring to JD McDonough. And then all of a sudden, Dominic Mysterio... Steps up to the plate. He steps up and says when Judgment Day says something, they'll do it. And that means that title belongs to them. So Gunther shoves him. Damien steps up and the rest of Judgment Day is holding Damien back. And there's a lot of uh, posturing following, follows, which I enjoyed this segment. This is great. And backstage you got Rhea... Walking up to Dom and just, she's concerned that Dom picked the fight with Gunther. He says, look, I got this. And she reluctantly accepts. Mysterio then turns around and he runs into Andrade, El Idolo. So they're all smiles. They're talking about catching up. And I do want to mention this about, uh, I do want to mention this about Andrade. Because this was interesting. Apparently, he turned down an offer, a good offer from AEW to stay. This is according to Dave Meltzer. He noted on Twitter that in a response to a user that Andrade got good offers from AEW to stay and wasn't the case. Where Andrade let, where AEW let Andrade walk without making an attempt to re-sign him as he wanted to go back with WWE considering his wife, Charlotte Flair, works for the company. And... This is what he said on Twitter. He said Andrade was given a good offer to stay. He decided to leave. And look, good on Andrade. Bet on yourself. And already I'm I'm intrigued to see how they book Andrade on Monday Night Raw. Now before we get to the street fight, I want to continue the Intercontinental title stuff. Adam Pearce was on the phone with Big Bron- Bronson Reed. And Chad Gable knocks on the door. They exchange, um, they exchange their play... Pleasantries, their welcomes, and Chad brings up the Intercontinental Championship and says everybody's going to be after that spot and says it haunts him that Gunther reduced his daughter to tears and laughed at his misery and he needs to make it right. And if you get if you did not see the promo Chad Gable posted after Monday Night Raw, a video promo he did for... Like, it is a thing of beauty. This was not the, thank you, the goofy Chad Gable. This is serious Chad Gable. And what I loved about this show was that everybody was serious. They weren't, like, like, they weren't, um, just angry. Like, like, they weren't goofy. They were showing their true aggression. And I loved it. And what they're doing right here, the way I see it, is the fact that um, you got Chad Gable, Sami Zayn, possibly Dominic Mysterio. 
You got Bronson Reed. You got Andrade. And you could add some more people like Ricochet. Like, and Gunther mentioned, like, the Miz. But I think there's going to be bigger plans for the Miz and R-Truth. And that's for the tag titles. But um, what I was thinking, and I was listening to the Solo Monster, who is one of the best, in my honest opinion. He brought up a great point about doing night one. Those who are ch- who want to challenge Gunther, why don't we do like a qualifying match and a ladder match to determine who will face Gunther at night two for WrestleMania? And you can make a case for Sami Zayn. You can make a case for Chad Gable. You can make a case for Dom, which Dom, he's just going to be there to get chopped. And you got, (coughs) you got, um, let's see, let's see. You could do Big Bronson Reed, but what I would do, I honestly, as much as I want Sammy to, uh, win, you got to give it to Chad Gable and you could bring in Sheamus. We haven't seen Sheamus in God knows how long. And he could have a right to say that, hey, I haven't, there's only one title that I haven't won, and that is the Intercontinental Championship. And the story writes itself. Like, it's right there. Like, I would not mind it at all. I think that is great shit. Like, have like a multi man match where the winner gets an opportunity against Gunther at night two at WrestleMania. I think that would be a really good idea. Instead of doing like a multi-man ladder match for the IC title, because you know they could do something like that. But I say go out of the comfort zone since it's a two-night event. Somebody has to challenge Gunther for night two. And I think that would be a really good idea. Now, we had the street fight between Imperium and New Day. I thought this was a really great match. This was one of my favorite matches on the show. And I thought out of all the street fights WWE has done, I thought this was their best one, in my honest opinion. This was their best one. And uh, Imperium, they got the much-needed win. The New Day didn't need to win this. They could take the L. They're already an established tag team. And a loss like this is not going to hurt them. I don't mind Imperium winning. They needed that. Because during their time, they were booked like like Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser. They were booked like punching bags, like jobbers. But they needed this. And I thought this was the right decision. But I would recommend watching this match. All four of these guys literally beat the living shit out of each other. Watch the match in full. You'll thank me later, because that was amazing. We had Shayna Baszler and Zoe Starks. They defeated Ken- Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. Um, and they're trying to build towards Shayna and Zoe going after the women's tag titles. I mean, I don't even know. But the match wasn't that long. You had Drew McIntyre. One of the best things about Monday Night Raw. He's coming out. And he looks at the WrestleMania sign and he says, we did it. And he offers thanks to everyone for putting hands together and praying harder than ever to make Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins happen for the world title at WrestleMania. He has to be honest. 
He feels like hell. More jet lag than, than the man right now. He's got an eardrum blown out in a match and had an incident after the show. The doctor told him, like, there was a chance that you weren't, you're not going to make it at WrestleMania. He looked at him and he said, who do you think I am? CM Punk? Who do you think I am? CM Punk? And he sits cross-legged, just like CM Punk. And he says he knows it hurts Punk to not be a part of the Elimination Chamber or at WrestleMania. And it probably kills him to see him in the world title match. And he thought of Punk after his victory. But in more ser- but in more serious business, he wants to address Seth Rollins. So he calls him out to the ring. And Seth Rollins comes down and he says, Congratulations, Drew. And he says, I'm proud of you for... Ch- I'm proud of you for clawing back into the title match with me. And McIntyre issues an impassionate plea to Seth to stay out of SmackDown business because Raw and the world title need him more and claims that if he keeps it up, the bloodline will just ruin their match. Now, this is where Rollins becomes conflicted and he gets serious. And... He takes the glasses off and he thought about all that, all of that and played every negative outcome over his head. And the truth is, Drew might be right. The bloodline might make WrestleMania an easy night. And for McIntyre, he might be right, but what if he's wrong? He says some risks are worth taking. And he's being selfish and thought the goal will fill the fill the void, but he felt empty every time. And it wasn't until he had his daughter that he realized not everything is about him. Some things are bigger than all of us, like the world title and taking down the bloodline. Rollins says it doesn't matter who, who of them is the champion. The bloodline wants power, and it's the only matter of time before they come looking for it. And... What if his knee is 100%? His back is ready. What if they can rip the bloodline apart once and once and for all to secure a future for this industry? If they can do all that, it'll be just the two of them and the world title at WrestleMania. He told him this before um He told him this before he tells him again, may the best man win. And some risks are worth taking. And I thought this was a really great segment. I thought this was a really great segment. I enjoyed it. And I love it when Seth is not like in his goofy phase. He's actually serious when he he gets serious. I love it. And Drew McIntyre, I could praise the character time and time again. It is the best thing in WWE right now. And if I'm WWE... You will be fools not to re-sign this man. You will be absolutely foolish if you do not re-sign this man. I'm telling you right now. It. I like this. I thought this was great. 
We had Nia Jax versus Liv Morgan. This didn't last long. This ended in a disqualification when Becky Lynch came out and attacked Nia Jax. And you could tell by Liv Morgan's face, she was frustrated that Becky Lynch got involved. Now backstage, Becky Lynch is demanding a match against Nia Jax from Adam Pearce. And he makes it official. And then Liv Morgan comes out and she says, everything is not about you. And like, she was literally frustrated. <clears throat> so what they're doing is they're having Becky go through this roadblocks of Nia Jax and Liv Morgan if she wants Rhea Ripley. I could definitely see that being the case. But I don't mind it. I think this is good storytelling. We had Jay Uso backstage. And he says he's going to keep him is going to keep he's going to keep being him and he sees that he keeps falling short of his goals. Drew McIntyre rolls up and says he's in a good place to have this chat and he wants Jay to know from the bottom of his heart that he deserves this. Now Uso throws the first punch. We get a pull apart brawl. So next week we get um we're going to get uh Jay Uso and Drew McIntyre. And I feel like Jimmy's going to get involved some way somehow. And that's going to lead to a match at WrestleMania. And we got Cody Rhodes in our main event taking on Grayson Waller. It was your it was a basic match. Cody won with the crossroads. And what I found interesting was that Austin Theory did not make the save. Keep that in mind. Because I feel like there's a... Like, Grayson Waller and Austin Theory, these are two guys that desperately need a character change. Well, most likely Austin Theory, because he literally gained nothing after beating John Cena at last year's WrestleMania. But the match was not important. The post-match was important. Paul Heyman comes out, flanked by security... Cody goes and grabs a steel chair to even the odds. And he does his introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. And Cody cuts him off and says, I don't give a damn what your name is. If this is the bloodline setup, he's going he's gonna to go down swinging. Heyman tells him that, look, I'm the only member that's here tonight. And he points out that none of the men attending him are Samoan. He says there are off-duty, well-suspended NYPD officers and says, I'm just... I'm just out to say that nobody is asking for an apology from Rhodes and he knows how embarrassing it is to get Will Smith. But he needs to... But I, I'm not going to lie. I thought that line was pretty funny. But he needs to take The Rock's name out of his friggin' mouth. Roman Reigns has authorized him to let Cody know that, and he begs him to please withdraw from his challenge, challenge to The Rock. Or else. And Cody says, or else what? He says, he hasn't trashed Dwayne in the media because he was a fan first. And how could he not be? He says, he's done being nice. And if this is a setup, come and get him. Paul says, look, I have a better idea. And you got the guards surrounding the ring and asks if he may enter the ring. Cody says, you can't. 
And Heyman says, well, that's rude. And the NYPD goons enter the ring. And Cody makes it clear. If one more person takes a step towards him, he's going to drop all of them. Heyman says, look, I respect that. As long as Cody respects that it doesn't apply to him. And he takes a step back. Rose tells him, you're wrong. And he unleashes with the hell on the uh, security goons with the steel chair. He hits a crossroads on one of them. Paul Heyman runs away and he calls Roman and Rock. And Rhodes tells him, go ahead and call because the bloodline isn't hunting him. He's hunting the bloodline. And he does another round on the goons. And Heyman beats a hasty retreat. Which, look, this is when last year Cody was, you know, all nice and shit. This time Cody is serious. He wants the bloodline gone. He wants to end the bloodline. Like... His kind attitude last year was the one that cost him this match at WrestleMania. And now, he's on the hunt to end Roman, which I could definitely see that culminating at WrestleMania. I enjoyed this. I thought this was really, really good. A really good segment. And overall, a good show. I thought this was a really good show. Now, speaking of good shows, we had NXT. And they're building towards Stand and Deliver. But first, we got Roadblock. <clears throat> and this was a, a really good show, especially the, the closing segment, which we will talk about. Now, Ilya Dragunov, he's already in the ring and he's calling out Carmelo Hayes, which Hayes comes out, but you got the security between him and, Il- and Ilya. And he talks about how Dragunov's persona disgusts him and he refuses to get in the ring with him unless he sees a contract. Um, And... Just to show that he can, and they square off, ring to ramp. So, pretty much the story is that he wants a contract signing to challenge Elia for the title. But, um, it was a decent segment. But I love Carmelo Hayes' work as a heel. I think he's better off as a heel than a babyface. That's just me. We had Kiana James taking on uh, Kalani Jordan. I thought they had a decent match with Kiana James getting the win. And here's the thing. And it's all because of Izzy Dame. She thinks she could do this by by herself, but she's going to need some backup. The question is, who? Who is going to be her backup? We had the Good Brothers, Gallows and Anderson, defeating Idris Enofe and Malik Blade. There was no way in hell the Good Brothers were going to lose that match, but I'm just happy to see them on NXT. It's where they should have been in the first place. But after the match, Chase U comes down and tells the Good Brothers they're about to learn that Karma's a bitch. Duke Hudson says, this week their back's on turn, and that means it's time for an Andre Chase university size, and he gets interrupted by Nathan Frazier and Axiom. And Frazier says, they've got good brothers next. And then the LWO appear from behind and they hit a dive on the Biz Clis boys, the good brothers. Gallows and Anderson retreat and the Wolf Dogs appear on and they survey the scene. So I, I like this and this really helped. Sending the good brothers back to NXT was the smart decision and it really helps the tag team division as well. And I could see the Good Brothers challenging for those titles at Stand and Deliver. 
and I could potentially see them winning said titles because of Tama Tonga. But um, I thought this was good. Now, Obafemi rolls up to Ava's office and asks, who is his next victim going to be? She tells him that, look, I have to figure that out. And then Elio arrives to step to step to the big man, champion to champion. I love that visual of Oba and Elia. And I already know Elia could give Oba the best match of his career. Um, you have Roxanne Perez taking on Jakara Jackson. And I love that we're seeing a more aggressive side of, of uh, Roxanne Perez. She won with the cross face. And she didn't let go. And I, I love this. This is the best... Ver- like, I am loving this Roxanne. They are slowly turning her heel. They're slowly turning her heel, and I love it. But I thought the match was pretty good. We had Thea Hale backstage with um, JC Jane, and I think her name was Jasmine uh, Hicks, if, I cor- if, I'm cor- if I'm correct. And I just, before I could tell you, we do have a breaking news coming out of Wildcat. Our next show is going to be on April 20th in Metairie. Ooh. And I see, is is that my girl, Katie Forbes? Oh, my goodness. So we got Jasmine Allure, Katie Forbes. Ah, Gigi Ray is going to be here. Nice. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm in. <laughs> I am in. And that I, I love this. I love this. So this woman... Who was with, um, who was with, uh, Jasmine Nix. That's her name. Jasmine Nix. She is breaking down the failures of her date with, uh, of Thea Hale's date with Riley Osborne, who wants to just be friends now because he was interested in old Thea. Now, JC Jane tells her the old Thea was lame. And if it wasn't for her, Chase U wouldn't exist. Kiana James and Izzy Dame roll up and says, JC says Kiana gets it and mocks Hale for wanting to take advice from Fallon Henley. So the mean girls, they're walking away and Thea is just dejected. I love the character development for uh, Thea Hale. Like it's, it's, you just want to root for the girl. And she's and this is gonna come to fruition where you cannot trust JC Jane. I like where this is going. But this was really good. I love that. Now Baron Corbin is very calm and Braun Breaker is hype, and they walked straight to the Good Brothers. The Good Brothers said that the Magic Killer last week invigorated them, and they're gonna win the tag title soon. Baron taunts Carl about getting slapped by AJ Styles, and Braun says, Look, this is all fun and games. But when the bell rings, the dogs come out. They destroy everyone. Teasing a match for Stand and Deliver. That's where I see this is going. Donovan Dijak, he got a win over Luca Crucifino. And I love I I think Luca Crucifino is really good. I think he's really good. If you give him more time, I thought he did really good in this match. Um... But it was Dijak that was going to get the win. But after the match, Joe Gacy is out of the asylum, still wearing the stray jacket. 
and he's brawling with Dijak. Crucifino slips a crowbar in the steel steps, and you got the family watching, so I don't know where this is going to go, but <clears throat> I, I thought this was really cool. And then we get to this one, this segment right here. Lyra Valkyria. She's in the ring, and she says, look, first things first, I want to wish Shotzi a speedy recovery. And says when, and she still owes her a title shot. And Lash Legend showed up, showed out, and stepped up, and she still got the wounds to prove it. But she's still standing here as the NXT Women's Champion. Last week, she made Tatum Haxley a promise, and it's time to give her what she deserves. So she invites Tatum Paxley out to the ring. She comes out, slithering over the barricade. And Lyra says, you've proven your devotion. And she spoke with Ava Rain and made some calls. And next week, we're going to team together. Not as friends, but because they have a common goal. Taking on the Kabuki Warriors for the tag titles. Paxley freaks out about this and then all of a sudden Rich Holland comes out and I'm like eh? What is he doing out here? So they did the tag title announcement then Rich Holland comes out and I'm just left confused. Now he says he's very happy about their big opportunity and wants them to wish them he wants to wish them the best of luck. But if they're finished he likes he's like the ring because he has something to get off his chest. He says, I'm a man of action more than words. I tend to take it too far, and now I'm here to apologize for those actions. He was defending himself and his family with no malice. He's interrupted by a text and a voiceover in a style of a, a man has three faces. He gets walloped in the back with a chair. He takes the hood off, and holy shit. This was like the biggest surprise that I did not expect. This was not reported. This was nothing. This was just, he came back. Sean Spears is back. He is not Ty Dillinger Perfect 10. This is, this is literally Sean Spears, the chairman of AEW. And here's the thing. Sean Spears' return was a complete shock. Fightful's Corey Brennan reports that he... He will go by the name Sean Spears for his run and not return as Ty Dillinger, which is great. Few people aware of the surprise return, and one star noted it was a complete shock. The report noted that as of 8 p.m., Spears was not listed in the internal documents, nor was anyone else listed for Ridge Hollins' promo outside of someone listed as a quote man. Shawn Michaels filled Spears' role in rehearsals with Holland earlier in the day, and one source said that Spears was signed to a deal sometime before the first three faces vignettes began to air. He was hidden backstage before returning, and he was well received by those backstage. And look, I am happy. I am super happy that uh that Sean Spears is back. And I'm glad that they're gone by that name. Now they did show him in the parking lot. And he says, look, I like Ridge Holland, but he's been, been lying to himself. 
And now the truth is, the pain he feels, and that's why he attacked him. He'll see him next week. And next week is Roadblock. Um, but I, I love this. That was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. I, I just love that we didn't know that there was a single report about Sean Spears returning. It was a genuine surprise. And I'm glad that they're not going by the Ty Dillinger name. They're going by Sean Spears, which is good. Now, outside, we see Brooks Jensen laying down a challenge to Obafemi, which, are you sure you want to do that, Brooks Jensen? You're going to make the biggest mistake right there. We had Von Wagner taking on Lexus King. This was, this was eh. Von Wagner, he got the win, but Lexus King um, stood tall. He attacked Wagner, punched his leg until Mr. Stone makes the save with a handful of backfist from the King. But the backfist from uh, Lexus King staggers him and he hits the coronation on him. But we had Jada Parker. She got a win over Gigi Dolan because of Ariana Grace. And Grace keeps weeping at Dolan about just getting along. So all she wanted was to just be friends. That's all. <coughs> and we get a vignette with a slow pan at the beach where the words see you soon are written in the sand, which could be a hint that Sol, Ro Sol Ruka is going to be returning to, uh, to NXT, which I'm going to assume at Roadblock. I think that's what's going to happen. We had the NXT Heritage Cup match, which I thought was really good. I thought this was really good. And Charlie Dempsey is the new NXT Heritage Cup winner. After 700 days of holding that Heritage Cup, Charlie Dempsey was the one who, who beat him. And the reason he beat him was because the catch point had numbers. Metaphor was not there. Like, you had Oro Mensa and Noam Dar. You didn't have Jakara Jackson and Lash Legend. So, I'm really happy for Charlie Dempsey. I, he deserves that. I, I'm looking forward to his run. But I thought this was a really good technical style wrestling match. We had the ring set up for Carmelo Hayes' contract signing. And Hayes starts talking and says, it's great that they're finally speaking the same language. And don't mind my securities. And Dragunov says, like, you used, he used to, to be shocked by Carmelo's blatant transparency. But now he realizes that it's just who he is. That he's so willing to discard everything for the title. Melo says the only difference between them is that he does it a lot cooler. Now the D'Angelo family comes in and Melo tells Tony to stuff it and Don, the Don says, look, I'm here to do business and he's the only guy who can solve this. He says, look, I got a lot of respect for both of you and he likes Trick. He likes Trick too and he unloads on Melo when he tries to interrupt telling him, look, you had a, a year and he's still stuck on this title. He tells Dragunov he dresses like a champion, but he's a little too intense. And he's going to speak harshly because he knows you can handle it. 
But Melo put his earmuffs on and he speaks plainly that he will take the title from him, not Hayes. And he's not and he's earned everything he has and everyone that crossed him got what they had coming. Carmelo's here. Let's see, Carmelo's here demanding a title match, but he'll earn a title match at Stand and Deliver. Elia says it piqued his interest, and he respects that he's willing to work for his position. Tony says Ava agrees if he does, and it'll be Carmelo versus Tony D'Angelo next week. And the winner fights Elia at Stand and Deliver. Ava says, look, it's ultimately up to Elia, who he wants to defend the title against. Dragunov says, i love to see Melo have to earn something and give Tony his match. Asking him to please whoop that Melo. Now Hayes is apoplectic and he calls Elia a coward before changing tactics and saying, D'Angelo, you can never beat me. If we need somebody to take out the trash or run the books for some washed up school, here's your man. But when it comes to the NXT Championship, Mellow's your Don. Now, Tony accidentally elbows Ilya. He turns around and Hayes slams him through the table, signs the contract, and throws the belt at Ilya. I enjoyed this segment, especially Tony D'Angelo. And he brought up a good point about, look, we've seen the match with, um, like, we've seen the match with, uh, with uh, with Carmelo and Elia, and what do you do? Do you do the title match between Carmelo and Elia again at Stand and Deliver? Because the big match for Stand and Deliver should be Trick and Carmelo. I could see Trick Williams coming back next week and costing Carmelo an opportunity, an eye for an eye, and. I definitely love that idea. Tony D against against uh, Elia. I mean, that should be interesting. I mean, it's something fresh. It's something that we have not seen. But um, looking forward to it. But other than that, I thought it was a really good show. SmackDown Live took place at the Desert Diamond Arena in Glendale, Arizona. And I thought this was a really, really good show. Um... That opening segment took a lot of time on that show, which got a lot of stuff like, not scrap, but just time cut and all that other stuff. But um, I still enjoyed the show. I thought it was really good. But we kicked things off with the Bloodline. Roman, Paul Heyman, Jimmy Uso, and Solo Sokoa. They come out. Reigns is telling Glendale to acknowledge him. And the crowd didn't really much acknowledge him that often. And... He amends his statements when he deems the crowd as being too quiet. And he tells Phoenix, not me, not me, not me, because, I mean, it's, you know, Phoenix, but Phoenix, Arizona, acknowledge him. Not much of acknowledgments. And he goes for a third, a third shot after deeming them too quiet once more. And he tells them to acknowledge me, which got a little bit of a reaction and he tells Heyman, look, my work oblig he tells everyone, look, my work obligation is done. Heyman, fire up the jet. Let's get out of here. He says they're done as a result of 
you guys being too quiet. And he looks to leave, but Heyman reminds Reigns that, look, we still have some business to take care of. And he says The Rock will be coming up next after the break. So that's that's a good way to keep people uh, in tune. So after the break, The Rock comes out. And there were some moments where they muted some of the audio. There were some moments when they blacked out the fucking screen. And PW Insider reported that the reason that the screens have been getting like blacked out was because some dumb fan... Decided to bring a die, Rocky die sign, and the uh, like decided to bring the sign in the building. When I don't know if Fox had common sense instead of just blacking out the fucking screen, because that was literally gonna kill the um, in my honest opinion, it would have killed the entire segment because of Fox. What they should have done, and everybody said it just. Blur it out. Just blur it out. You got people who could blur the sign out. Like, I don't give a damn if it's live. You could blur the shit out. And I just want to acknowledge that because that was one of the things that annoyed me while watching this segment. It wasn't a WWE thing. It was a Fox thing. And the sooner they get off of Fox, the better. Because I'm, I'm just, I'm tired. of. I'm just, like, after that, I was tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm really tired of that. But The Rock comes out and the, he's questioning the fans. If Are you sure that you want to boo him? He says he has some good news before he drops some gospels on people. He says Glendale's 10 miles away from Phoenix. And then he saves, then says the lines that they sit, th- sit and look at, um, no, 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 their lives finally has meaning. As they sit and look at greatness. He says finally the rock comes back. To Arizona. And says his body is covered in in chills. He says. The bloodline's in a good mood. Roman's in a good mood. Heyman's in a good mood. Jimmy's in a good mood. Soul's in a good mood. But if you pay attention to Soul Sokoa. You look at his face when he says. He may not smile. But that's how he smiles. You may not see it, but that's how he smiles. You can see Solo trying to cover his... Like, he was covering part of his face because he was trying not to break character. It's The Rock. Because if you break character, I mean, you already know that The Rock is literally hilarious when he cuts his uh, promos. Um, And he says, for the first time in decades, pro wrestling is cool. Pro wrestling is exciting. And pro wrestling is electrifying. He says tonight and the next few weeks will be sold out because of the bloodline. And the group has made wrestling cool again. At least he didn't say great again. <clears throat> then he says, Do you want to know who else is not do you want to know who's not cool? Your hero, Cody Rhodes. He points out that Cody's nowhere to be found and says if Rhodes wants to run his mouth and challenge him to a match, it doesn't work like that. Because my answer is no. Um, He says Rose won't just go one-on-one with him simply because he wants to. And calls him an idiot for thinking that he can face him in singles competition. He says Rose should be worrying about challenging Roman Reigns for the United States 
not the United States, the Universal Championship at WrestleMania, and says he and the Bloodline have a counter offer for Cody Rhodes. He challenges him and Seth freaking Rollins to a tag team match at night one of WrestleMania. And should they win, the rest of the Bloodline will be barred from ringside during Rhodes' and Reigns' WrestleMania match at night two. He says that if Rhodes and Rollins lose, then the match becomes Bloodline rules. And the Bloodline can do anything they want during the match. The Rock then dares Cody, Rhodes, and Rollins to show their face next week to answer their challenge and warns them about what will happen if they choose not to accept. He says no one can stop him, and this got Triple H chance, so I still think we, we might get a face-to-face with The Rock and Triple H. Just no physicality because, you know, Triple H can't, like, fucking wrestle anymore. He's done. And... He says Rose's story will be ended by him and Reigns tragically. He's about to do the, if you smell, but Reigns stops him. And this is where it gets intriguing. And if I paid, now speaking of Roman Reigns, I paid close attention to Roman Reigns' face, his mannerism. He looked genuinely annoyed. He looked annoyed when Paul Heyman told, told him, like, we still have obligations to fill. Like, this... Like disobeying Roman's order, and now you got The Rock coming out, who is literally a bigger star than Roman. He looked annoyed. Now, he tells him that, look, I need something from you. He says, I'll do anything for the family, but he needs The Rock to do one thing acknowledge me. So, The Rock. Remove the sunglasses, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, they're doing a long, long tease for their match. Because you know, this is something that the old man would have wanted. But it would have been disaster on his booking. But the way Triple H and his team are handling it, they're just giving you a little hints. But um, he removes his glasses and he says, I acknowledge you as the tribal chief. So he offers the handshake. The crowd is chanting, you sold out. And The Rock literally has to address the crowd like, look, this is family. And he says they would do anything for family. And he does, if you smell, and he gives the mic to Roman and he says what the bloodline is cooking. They throw their ones up and I'm paying attention to The Rock because he had the L up. And then he reverted it back to the one. He's literally playing double agent. Literally a double agent. But I enjoyed this segment despite Fox's blacking out when they could just fucking blur out the goddamn sign. I mean, you got technology for that. You could blur shit out. Like, that almost ruined the segment for me. I watched the entire segment on YouTube. And it was much better than the shit we saw live. Like, literally. But I enjoyed this. I'm definitely looking forward to next week. I think they're going to respond... And they'll accept the challenge. And when you think back, the main event for the first WrestleMania was was Hulk Hogan and Mr. T against uh, Roddy Piper. And uh, and you you, you really got to go back to to your WrestleManias because it was in 1985 when WrestleMania became a thing. 
And and you had, like I mentioned, the main event was Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper against Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. That was one of the first big matches in big tag team matches without a title at um at WrestleMania. And this is a nice little callback to, like 40 years later. We got The Rock and Roman teaming up against Seth and Cody, which I don't mind. I don't mind at all. And uh like I enjoyed like I said, I enjoyed the segment, but this is literally Despite Fox doing their stupid shit, that didn't take away from a really fun segment, in my honest opinion. Now, we go backstage, we see Austin Theory and Grayson Waller, they're re-watching the uh, men's elimination chamber match. You had LA Knight, who was looking for AJ Styles, Randy Orton's watching, and they're aware, they're not aware of that, and he's like, you know what's funny? If... If I could face one of you, then I'll rip your heads off. <laughs> just, just, just Randy's re, just response was was so great. Now, Grayson Wallace says, "Look, Austin Theory says he's up for for the fight. This is the second time Grayson Wallace has done this to Austin Theory, so they're teasing the breakup. They are teasing the breakup. So it's gonna happen eventually. Because I don't know what the hell they're doing with Austin Theory. Clearly, his win over John Cena meant nothing." It like literally, he lose everything, just nothing. We had Tiffany Stratton taking on Naomi. I thought they had a good match. Now Tiffany Stratton came out mid entrance. Naomi got the jobber entrance, and you could partially blame like that opening segment that took up a lot of time, so they didn't get enough time to do their entrances. But I thought they had a good match. Tiffany Stratton is over. She's over. You got people chanting Tiffy time. And I guarantee next year, or maybe in July, she's going to be qualifying for the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. And maybe by 2025, she's going to be challenging or possibly walking into WrestleMania as a women's champion. The woman is over. She's super over right now. And already she's picking this up like ease. But I thought they had a good match. Tiffany Stratton won with the prettiest moonsault ever. This one was better. That moonsault was fucking perfect. I'm not going to lie. Her and EO have the best moonsaults. Like, when it comes to women's wrestling, her and EO, no doubt, have one of the greatest moonsaults in pro wrestling. But Tiffany Stratton, she's gaining momentum. Now, I don't know what the hell they're going to do for WrestleMania. I, I still think they should do Tiffany and Bianca. I think that that's one of the biggest matches you can do if you're not doing anything with Bianca Belair. Now, we had the Kabuki Warriors with EO Sky taking on Dakota and Bayley. This match ended in a no contest. And, and I did not mind this. I did not mind this because we knew this was coming. Never trust a two-face. One, one side, they'd be like, oh... Like, I got your back. I believed in everything. And then once they revealed their true colors, boom, Dakota Kai revealed her true colors. She hopped off the apron when Bailey was trying to make the blind tag, was trying to make the hot tag. And the rest of Damage Control just attacked 
Um, like just attacked uh, Bailey. We knew DK was a snake, and it wouldn't make sense for her to just side with Bailey. I thought they were gonna do it at WrestleMania, but if Bailey does not have any friends, one of her friends is gonna be debuting on AEW. Like, who do you have? You, like, she has to make amends to Bianca Belair. I could see Naomi, um, like I could see Naomi like doing something with Bailey, like helping her out, but. Who do you have? That's the thing. Who do you have? But I did not mind this ending in a no contest. Now backstage, you see Damage Control celebrating what the, what happened in the ring. And they run into Jay Cargill, which is interesting. And she was eyeing at EO Sky. And I'm just saying to myself, inject that shit in my veins. Because EO can make Jay Cargill... Look like a million bucks. Now Nick Aldis finds Cargill and says he's ready for her and telling Damage Control that he'll deal with them later. So, I, and, and I like this. I thought this was really good and we don't know what's, what's, what they're going to do with Jade. Is she going to be on SmackDown? Because look, you got Tiffany Stratton. You got Braun Breaker. Honestly, Jade could be beneficial on Monday Night Raw. Like, they could have Bianca and Jade team up against the Kabuki Warriors. That's a possibility. I could see Bianca facing off against Tiffany Stratton, which I think is a big match. Or you could do Jade Cargill and Nia Jax. I don't know. Because if Nia's not going to be on the card, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. But um, it, it's leaving you with so many ideas. Is she going to be on SmackDown? We don't know. She's a free agent. She's just taking her time. But I am intrigued to see Jade and Eo go at it. I think that would be fucking fantastic. We have Braun Breaker taking on Zion Quinn. I'll just tell you the full match. Braun Breaker speared Zion Quinn. One, two, three. Quick match. End of story. And that's how you're supposed to book him. And I mean that in a good way. You gotta make Braun look dominant. You gotta make him look dominant. And... We'll see how that how that turns out. We had a street fight between Carlito and Santos Escobar. I thought this was good. I thought the Raw one was better than this one. But this led to the return of Rey Mysterio. Who was on crutches, but he was cleared. He was walking. And if this does not lead to Santos Escobar versus Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania, I don't know what is. Like, that has to be the match at WrestleMania. But... Carlito hit the backstabber. Ray hit the 619. And Spine Buster by Carlito through the table. And Carlito finally got a win. He finally won a singles match. My God. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. Now, we go backstage. We see New Catch Republic um, asking Nick Aldis for another shot at the Judgment Day. For the undisputed tag team titles at WrestleMania. Now Aldis did say that he and Adam Pearce have a related announcement coming up. But he's getting distracted by LA Knight looking for AJ Styles. Now Aldis tells Knight that look if you're looking for Styles he's not in the building tonight. And LA Knight warns Aldis that he'll get to Styles one way or another. 
and he gives him a souvenir, a chair. Hell, he might even think about breaking into, not not breaking it. He might even invade AJ Styles' home, possibly in while he's streaming. That's a possibility. Like they had Bianca, if I'm correct, they had Bianca attacking Zelina Vega while she was streaming. Oh, well, she was doing an interview or some shit like that. And this was all part of an angle. So, I could definitely see that being the case. But, I'm intrigued. And in the main event, we have Randy Orton taking on Austin Theory. I'll give you one guess who won. I mean, this, this was fairly obvious. Randy Orton was winning this match with an RKO. After that match, Grayson Waller blindsides Orton. Orton Owens slides inside the ring. And Waller and Theory overpower him. Owens gains the upper hand. And uh, lands a stunner on Theory, which I know he no-sold. No, not no-sold. He oversold before Orton hit an RKO on Grayson Waller. Waller and uh, Orton and uh, Owens, they bump fists, standing tall, and that's how the show went off the air. So that was a good episode, a good episode of SmackDown. I thought the whole week in wrestling was pretty good. But um, on that note... I'm getting the heck out of here, guys. Thank y'all so much for tuning into this episode. I really, really appreciate it. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter, SheenoDPhoenix. Follow me on Instagram, SheenoPhoenix. Follow me on TikTok, SheenoDPhoenix. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel, SheenoDPhoenix. Um, follow me on my Twitch. We are 10 followers away from reaching 800. But uh, follow me on Twitch, SheenoPhoenix. And like the Facebook page, No One's Ready for Wrestling. So until then, take care, be safe, support wrestling as much as you can, and I will see you guys next week. Enjoy Revolution. Take care, guys.